Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and it's great to have you with us. 701, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Mr. Davis. How are you doing? Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing well. You got your varsity Illinois football T-shirt on, so you're ready to go this weekend. I, I'm ready to roll. We got a uh, got a big one at home this weekend, so hopefully we, uh, you know, come out and take care of business early. Don't let them get a chance. And uh, here's what you need to do: is take business of uh, take care of business early, so that you can pay attention to the Cardinal game, which I'm assuming is going to start at about three o'clock. On, uh, on on Saturday on Saturday yeah. yeah well we play at six so I can watch the Cardinals oh, game and then we're all good I can watch my line I beat up on uh, some Hawkeyes yeah last day of the baseball season every game starts at three today including the Cardinal finale they'll take on the Pirates and wrap up the 2022 regular season and then get ready with a workout tomorrow at Bush Stadium and then take on probably the Phillies on uh, Friday and Saturday and Sunday over at the ballpark. Yeah, I, I, it seems that way. The Phillies have been kind of limping into the playoffs. Look like they're going to be the the seed, the sixth seed. And you know, hopefully, that's the the thing you want is to beat up on a, on a team that's struggling. So hopefully, we can get it done early, you know, two games, and not have to go to the third one and 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 give get a little bit more rest and, and prepare. That is done, by the way. We will play Philadelphia, yeah. so uh, they they can't catch up with San Diego. By the way, we're looking now because the Braves won their division. We're looking at a second-round possible series. If the Mets knock off the Padres, we're looking at Mets-Dodgers in the second round in the division series. Yikes. <laughs> Better them than us. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. So the playoffs are set. The Cardinals will take on Philadelphia three games this weekend at the ballpark. Last night, the Cardinals rallied. They played well for essentially their Memphis lineup. They had an 8-7, 10-inning win over the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. And it was not great early. The, the Pirates scored one in the first, but in the third after a Goldie RBI ground out. And Albert rips it for a base hit into center. One run is in. Cardinals have the lead. Another will score. Albert brings in two. Now with 2,218 runs batted in. And on the season, Albert is driven in 68. So... Albert Pujols will probably sit today, and those numbers that Dan just gave you are the numbers that he'll end his career with, which is phenomenal. Randy, I, I saw a stat. He is top 10 in 
the main categories of Major League Baseball in all time in, in history. Hits, uh, at-bats, uh, home runs, obviously, RBIs. It's amazing how many stats where he's top 10 in. And, and you, I, I've said this time and time again, we take for granted what we've seen here in St. Louis because you just came to expect it. Mm-hmm. But this is this is remarkable, and 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 it will not be done again by a player of this magnitude. You have to no. respect it and appreciate it, and because when it's gone, it's gone, and and you'll never be able to to have that moment again. So for me, it's just been just remarkable to watch him play at the, play at this level for this long of time, for this many years, and to be witness to it and be a part of it. He's. Without question, the best player we'll ever see. We'll never have the chance to see another guy like that. Definitely. I, I, I mean, you, they don't come around in baseball or no. any sport for that matter. Uh, you, you think about some of the greatest players that have ever played in each sport. Those franchises are just so lucky to have those guys to be able to watch them every single night. And we are one of those franchises as it pertains to Albert Pujols. So the Cardinals had the 3-1 lead, but the Pirates led up Dakota Hudson for six in the bottom of the inning. There goes that postseason roster spot. <laughs> and <laughs> was, it was a, a 7-3 game. That was, that was tough. Being real, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was tough. Yeah. You give up seven, and I mean, six in an inning. Yeah, I... I yeah. You you, the and this is my thought press. This was my thought process going into you know these last few games. Some of these guys are still playing for roster spots mm-hmm. in the playoffs. It's not just oh we clinched the the division. We know we're going to be the third seed. We know we're going to play Philly or, or or San Diego. Now we know it's Philly. There are still guys still competing to be able to play in the playoffs. And as you've seen, a couple of guys have kind of solidified that, yeah, it's not going to be part. They're not going to be a part of it. It's the old adage that a coach or manager can use. I didn't cut a guy. He cut himself. There you go. Yeah. Right. He, he, your performance showed that you were not uh, able to to going to to play in this in this crucial moment of the year. And and it's unfortunate because you put so much stock in, you put so much work in, mm-hmm. you know, the entire season, and to come out and 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 just have a dud of a game. That's hard for I'm sure that's hard for him to 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 swallow at this moment, but it is what it is, and that's what you got to do. So the Cardinals are down by a score of seven to three. They came back in the seventh inning to tie the game. The ghost runner in the tenth was Ben Deluzio, the hitter Juan Yepes. The one line and a base hit by Juan Yepes. Deluzio will score easily, and Yepes has given the Cardinals a lead. Here in the 10th inning, and it's 8-7. to seven. And the Cardinals were able to close it down with virtually no problems at all. The bullpen, Palante, Romero, Flaherty, Helsley, Thompson, and Stratton delivered seven into third scoreless innings. Helsley left with a jammed finger, but he should be okay. Well, he was... He was asked if he was concerned about the the jammed finger, but I guess he's he, apparently he's going to be okay. So my my issue is it's his throwing hand. Um, how did I don't know which finger it was, and I don't know how that will. Yeah, it was it, was it the middle, middle finger? finger yeah. I don't know how that will impact his grip on the ball, if it will at all. But that that when I saw him go out, I thought that that was going to be something to to be con- a cause for concern because he's your closer, he's your guy that you you trust come you know get two outs in the eighth inning and finish off the ninth or, or just go out in the ninth inning. If he's not able to go, or if there is some lingering effects, where do you go from there? Gallegos is your closer, but you don't really have 
the depth in the bullpen that you hoped to have. Uh, uh, you can't count on Jordan Hicks. Right? That was my next thought. Is Jordan Hicks, when he comes back from his IL stint, how, how – because I think Jordan Hicks has very good stuff. I think he is a, a pitcher that, that when I watch him pitch and when I listen to him talk, he seems like a guy that – wants to be either a starter or a closer. He mm-hmm. does not believe he's a middle reliever type of guy. He's not that he's a he's a to him and 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 probably to people that watch him, he's a guy. Which means I either start a game or I yep. end it. And that's his mindset. So when I've seen him speak a few times, it just seems to me like not that he's not happy with being on the team, but he he believes that he deserves a a, a greater role than what he's in. I think his stuff is is extremely good and if things don't go well, maybe he can get an opportunity to, to close out a game. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much the Cardinals trust him. I know he's a younger guy, but I don't know if he's able to make that that leap and the uh, thing is, in this postseason. He just hasn't been around long yeah. enough this year to convince them. He's been hurt most of the year, and so he, he hasn't shown them that he can be that guy. Right. Meanwhile, Helsley was asked about his concern about this jammed finger. I don't think so. You know, I felt it a little bit tonight when I was trying to throw my off-speed stuff and just felt like I didn't have the feel I needed to continue the inning, so I felt like it was smart to come out of the game. And a 3 o'clock start today for the Cardinals and the Pirates wrapping up the series, the season. Uh, meanwhile, the Rangers and Yankees played last night, and there was really only one thing that mattered in that game, and it was Aaron Judge. Here's the 1-1. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. Aaron Judge hits his 62nd. All the Yankees out of the dugout to greet him. Just think of it. Three Yankee right fielders. The Babe hitting 60 and 27. The Jolly Roger. Hitting 61 and 61. And now Aaron Judge hits his 62nd home run. The most home runs any American leaguer has hit in a single season. And the American League has been alive for 120 years. What day do we do sick of it? Is that is that? Uh, that would be Thursday. Thursday. So yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow I can, yeah. Well, I can't hold it. I, I, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of of all of the people saying that this is the home run record. I'm sick of ESPN and every other sports channel cutting off what I'm watching or listening to <laughs> to cut to Aaron Rodgers hit a dribbler to first base. He finally got one. Thank you. Good. But I'm sick of that. I'm sick that they put this top this story ahead of Albert Pujols all season towards the end of the season mm-hmm. that this was the number one. Who the hell cares? I mean, it's it's the Yankees. I get it. It's wonderful. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Albert Pujols hit 700, and he didn't get this much. No. They weren't cutting his damn at bats. They weren't doing that, right? right? So this is. I'm sick of this, Randy. And I'll give you a little bit more Fair tomorrow. Enough. I'm sick of it. I am tired of hearing about Aaron Judge hitting 62, which is not. It is not, for those that are listening, the all-time record. It is not. It is not. You can you can put an asterisk by it. You can say, oh, it's the AL record. It's not Major League Baseball record. Albert Pujols left, and, I mean, uh, uh, passed some people for top five, top four, mm-hmm. top three, all-time in home runs. That is a baseball Major League record. So, yeah, I'm sick of that. I'm sick of hearing about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, excuse me, Aaron Judge. I'm, mm-hmm. sick, I'm sick of Aaron Rodgers as well, but I'm <laughs> sick of Aaron Judge and this dang on home run chase, air quotes, because what is he chasing? 
He's not ch- he's not close. No, he was only chasing another Yankee, he's right? He's chasing another Yankee, and it became the top story every yep. single day. Who the hell cares? I'm sorry. There, no, okay. I, I like I'm back. I like the rant. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers got a shot for no reason, and uh, yeah, I'm sick of him too. Hockey, the Blues were 4-2 <laughs> winners over the Wild last night at Enterprise Center, and because this is the opening drive, you know who got the winning goal for the Blues. Shin stole it, skates it in, hits the trailer. Walker, score! Nathan Walker didn't waste any time snapping it to the blocker's side of the Minnesota goalie. 3 nothing Blues, 9.42 to go, period number two. Had to go Nadub, solidifying his spot on the number four line for the Blues. Nadub. Yeah. We, we got we to gotta, we gotta get Nadub on and ask him, does he like Nadub? And is he, you know, is he gonna is he gonna keep that with him as he goes around? And introduce, hey, I'm Nadub. Nice to meet you. I think that's the play that's for him. That's the way you gotta yeah, go about that's it. That's marketing right there. <laughs> Absolutely. The Cardinals are the Cardinals. Blues also got goals from Buchnevich, Neighbors, and Clem Costin. Josh Levo with a couple of assists, so that was good for the Blues. And they'll play their next second to last preseason game tomorrow against Columbus, and we'll have the pregame for you at 5 here on 101 ESPN. Carrie, Randy, Matthew, coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It is Wednesday, and we've got an early edition of Ask Uncle Randy here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Open 65780 if you'd like to participate and ask Uncle Randy. Beautiful fall weekend. A lot of great things happen in life during this time of year. And heck, if you have a question about what's going on in your life, maybe you have some dilemmas that you have to deal with, send in a text, ask a question. 65780, Carrie and Matthew are here to help us all out. Hey, Uncle Randy, if you had to choose your order ahead of time, who or what order would you ideally go if you had to go in the fast lane gauntlet? Okay, so in the gauntlet at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you have the choice of going with hockey with Jamie, baseball with Brad, football with Anthony, or Marshy does general, which is really hard. I never know general, so I would take that last. <laughs> I would probably go, I would, my order would probably be baseball, football, hockey. I would probably go that direction. Is this based on your knowledge of the sport or based on the person that you're competing against? Yeah, the, uh, it's a combination. <laughs> okay. Jamie is really, really, really good. Uh, and I think that with Marshy, I think it's a coin flip. I think I can compete with BT and Anthony, and I think I can handle them. Okay. So I, I would want to sit. I would want to go what for me would be easiest to most difficult. Gotcha. So I would go that way. Okay. Randy, Randy, just the idea of non-sports trivia when it comes to any character is just—he's not—he's not about that. Action. Not a fan. Tri- trivia nights where they have like uh, name this candy, terrible trivia. I, I can do name a candy. Really? No, name is candy? candy. Yeah, like they give you a, a baggie with candy. 
They, okay. they, they give you a, like a, a without, bag. out of the, out of the, saying, out of the yeah, what, what kind of candy? Now, if they give me an M M&M, and M, I got it. But, right. I mean, if you, ten different kinds of candy, no, I'm uh, <laughs> like nerds and stuff like that. And I got trouble with that. I can generally sing along with a song. Um, I'm not very strong on movie trivia unless it's sports movie trivia. And uh, what are some of the other trivia night things like history? I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just leave the table for, for the history. I don't even bother. Time to go get another drink then. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Randy, I have a big important day at work today and I'm nervous about it. What do you recommend to calm down when a cold beer isn't an option? Okay. Uh, for me, it's the, the deep breath. So when I had heart surgery, uh, they said, here's what you need to do. You need to smell the flowers and blow out the candles. And I do this a lot. I go. And that helps me relax. Deep breathing. One of the things that you, what happens when you get nervous is you don't breathe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So breathing is a big part of it for me. And then the other thing is for mental acuity, caffeine, whatever your choice of caffeine is, makes a big difference for me. Well, you have to be careful with caffeine. Not, right. not don't, take, do don't take too much because then you'll be bouncing off the walls. Yeah, you and don't want to do the Red Bull. Yeah, whatever the, the, the big thing you have at work is, they're going to be looking at you like you're crazy. Yeah, so, so you want to be sharp. Be sharp, be ready. As you said, breathe, deep breaths, Yeah. take your time, and just have fun. Just, just be relaxed okay. as much as you can. You played in a Super Bowl. You played in about as stressful an environment as you can possibly play in. Mm -hmm. What did you do to relax? I just, you know what, I, I me for me is always listening to music um, before the game, mm -hmm. uh, prior to, right before kickoff is the only time that I actually got nervous because for me, it was like any other game. It was like any other day. That's what I told myself mm -hmm. until kickoff. And then when kickoff hit, I was like, oh, my God, all these cameras are going to be flashing. I've seen it on every Super Bowl picture uh, game that I've ever watched as cameras, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to see the ball. That, that's where my anxiety kicked in because I was a returner. Am I going to be able to see the ball with all of these oh, flashes yeah. because I'm not accustomed to that? Lights, cool. Sun, not a problem. Camera flashes, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. So then the anxiety kicked in. But up until that point, Randy, I was fine. I was good to go. But at that moment, as he was, as Neil Rackers, my former teammate, mm -hmm. was about to kick the ball, uh, a, a stroke, uh, uh, just fear, <laughs> just just sheer anxiety shot through my body. Oh my God, I forgot about the cameras. I took everything into account except for that. But it was fine. It wasn't as big That's of a awesome. deal as I thought. But yeah, that was, that was my, my issue. I love this question. Oh, hey, Uncle Randy. My wife and I are invited to a wedding this weekend. There is a five and a half hour break in between the wedding and the reception. Is it okay to skip the wedding? Yes, it is. Oh. They'll never notice that you they weren't won't at now, the wedding. They will not notice that. You're they right. Yeah. They might notice if you're not at the reception, but they will never know that you weren't at the wedding. It's 100%. It's 1,000% okay to skip the wedding. And ultimately, it's on the groom. Right. If, if you don't show up and something happens, if you aren't there because it's a Cardinal <laughs> baseball game, that's on the groom. That's not on you at all. It's OK. It's, it's 100 percent OK. They will never know if you were not at the wedding. Right. Now, never just know. show up to the reception like, oh, beautiful ceremony. Yeah, yeah, yeah I loved yeah, it. Yeah. You saw it. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yep. Now, nobody's yeah. taking pictures of who's in the crowd. No. Uncle, they, yeah. Uncle Randy gives you complete permission to watch a Cardinal playoff game, 
you always have complete permission to watch a cardinal now, playoff. Now, Randy, he did say my wife and I, yeah. which means that she can go, she can represent you. Now, what if now you, we've talked about this in the past of, of picking your battles? Mm-hmm. Is that a battle that you pick? Yes. Okay. That is a I, if Uncle Randy said yeah. that's a battle well, that you pick, then and, that's. And you know what? It's. Here's the thing. Maybe it's a wife. I don't. I don't know. But <laughs> she's. If you're listening to this show, you're a big fan, all right? Yes. She knows you're a big fan. Yes. And she knows it's game two of the playoffs. And hey, yeah, we play in a lot of playoff games in St. Louis, but you never know when the last one is going to be. I I remember Carrie, uh, our tailgate group, saying, you know what? If it, with the St. Louis Rams. If we could just get to a Super Bowl, we'd be happy with anything that happened after that. <laughs> you, never, you never know when the last one is going to happen. Yeah. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah, right. See, I think I think I think this this guy's missing out a chance. Listen, five and a half hour break means the res, the, the wedding's going to be at like noon, which means it's probably going to be before the Cardinal game because I think they're going to have the one and three p.m. games in the majority mm-hmm. of these, these three series. So you go to the wedding, then you get the the best thing in the world. You get to change out of the suit into comfortable clothes, watch the Cardinals game on the couch, then you get redone up, and then you go out, and most likely there's going to be like a cocktail and everything. The five and a half hour break between the reception and the wedding is the best thing. I love it. First of all, you know it's going to be a good wedding because the uh, wedding party is going to be absolutely gone in that mm-hmm. five hours. They're going to be on a party bus taking pictures and everything. They're going to be gone. That's going to be a fun wedding. I think that's, I think that's the most opportune combination. If it's a one o'clock wedding... Ideally, a, a two o'clock wedding. You could well Hopefully no, it's a one or noon. Hopefully one it's o'clock. eleven or noon. The wedding is yeah, um, but five and a half hours. So you you need till six at least with the baseball game. So you get home by first pitch three o'clock. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, the ideal wedding time would probably be one. Wedding ends at two. Five and a half hour break gets you to seven thirty. Yeah. So plenty of time. Right. Or or rock. You can just. Not go to the wedding as Uncle Randy said, and stay in your pajamas all day up until seven p.m. Randy's right though; it, it depends. Is it is it is it the wife's friends, the wife family? Because you, you I'm assuming I'm assuming this is the wife's friend you because he said my wife and I. Yeah. yeah, you try to skip yeah. out on like a family one. Those those aunts and uncles will hunt you down. Trust well, me. I, I think that. Uh, People need to have their priorities set. And clearly, we've talked about this. Yeah. If you're having weddings in October, your priorities are not set. You're in the wrong place. Good point. <laughs> Dear Uncle Randy, my son's school has sports day coming up. My wife from Central Tennessee bought him a Predators jersey. Can I let him wear this? I need to hear the age. I know. I need to know what the age is here. That's a good point. Because kids can be really mean, right? <laughs> they they can. They can so, like, if it's. I think my delineation here would probably be about sixth grade. I would say fifth grade or younger, he's probably fine with the Predators jersey. And he can always say, he can always fall back on, well, my mom is from Tennessee and she's a Predators fan. I'm really a Blues fan, but I'm wearing this to pacify her. Sixth grade and beyond, like Kevin said in uh, Home Alone, you wear that to school, you get beat up. (laughs) (laughs) It is a possibility. When you, when you said I didn't know the name, we all knew. We all knew how this was going to go. Yeah, we all knew. It. We all knew it. It just depends. How much do you want? Do you want your kid to be good at fighting or not? You know, that's the. That's you, the I mean, you, you have to make these decisions as a parent because yeah. you, there are some things that kids get teased about, and if you are not doing the right yeah. things as a parent, you're a part of the problem. 
No question. I mean, it's a, think about putting a, like a Cubs jersey or a Blackhawks jersey on a kid and sending him to school. Uh, you're just asking for it. Yeah, then. you are. Yeah. Or if you went, if if your kid went to school with Randy when he was younger, sending him to school with a Red Red Wings jersey just would have been asking. For well, the Red Wings thing didn't happen until they got good. When they were they were a lot worse than the Blues. They were terrible when I was a kid, so it really didn't matter. I they were a big deal. This, no. These are the real questions right here, dear Uncle Randy. Mac and cheese, fork or spoon? Oh, I'm a totally fork mac and cheese I, guy. If, if you're eating mac and cheese with a spoon, I'm assuming that you're yep. four. That, yeah, uh, uh, yep. Eight, seven. You're, yep. you're under double digits. I, grown people eat mac and cheese with forks. Am, am I missing something here? Rock, you're kind of quiet over there. Are you a, are you a spoon and mac and cheese kind of guy? Listen, listen here. If we're talking like a big pan- uh, you have give to, me a, you give have me a moment. moment. No, no, this is not happening. Don't tell me this is happening. Oh my goodness. Let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you. You get presented with a big pan of baked mac and cheese. Okay. Where there is a lot of gooey cheese, not only with the noodles. I don't, I'm not trying to lose any of that gooey cheese. I'm going in with a spoon. I'm what? keeping it all in one bite. Oh my what God. What, what is going on? Let what? it happen to America. Oh my God! Why would you want to lose? You are a thirty-year-old man eating (laughs) mac and cheese with a spoon, sir. I have one question for you. I have one question for you guys. If if you're gonna Christmas here, when you're eating mac and cheese, why would you ever want to lose any cheese from the bite? That's what the fork is for. You wrap it up in there, and the cheese gets wrapped up in the fork. It's it's sometimes it's loose. Oh man! And by the way, trying to have it all in one. FYI, life changing. The mac and cheese at Salt and Smoke. Yeah, oh yeah. Life changing. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna have so to check just it out. Keep that in mind. I yep. eat that. You know what? I, I hope eat that, they. I eat that with a spoon because that's delicious. Oh, no, no. <laughs> you can't eat that with a spoon. <laughs> the breadcrumb they got on top. I'm not trying oh, to lose rock. any of that. Goodness it gracious! Through the tines on the fork, you guys are losing oh. the goodness. <laughs> and somebody says the answer is a spork. Oh. I apologize to all of St. Louis <laughs> on behalf of the room. I just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. St. Louis, you put a lot of trust in me, and, and I have failed you. I'm bringing in mac and cheese. I'm going to eat with a spoon. Oh, tomorrow. do not come in here with a spoon, sir. <laughs> well, sure. I, see, listen, dude, I, I have children, thing. so yeah. I think of the little teaspoons, the little small spoon well, no, with yeah, the rubber yeah, end right. yeah. eating mac and cheese. That's how I see a, see, a person not, eating mac I'm and cheese talking, with a spoon. I'm not talking craft macaroni. I'm not you talking Gotta like be craft yeah. here. I'm not going to craft with a spoon. I'm talking like something you know that's you know like bre- like uh, salt smoke. You'll never eat with a spoon if you're if you're a reasonable person. Another great St. Louis institution, the Bre- St. Louis Bread Co. Their mac and cheese. It's another good mac and cheese to eat with a spoon because there's a lot of liquid cheese in there that you don't oh, wanna, you don't want to leave on the sides. This is tough. This, this is unbelievable. <laughs> this is, this, you guys came so hard to get us. This, this hurts. This hurts. Okay, what's another one? One, one more before we get a chance to visit with the president of the St. Louis Blues to ask him this question. All right. Uh, hey, Uncle Randy, me and my wife are expecting our fifth child in Congrats. right at four years because we already have a set of twins. Woo. I just need a little pep talk for this vasectomy. All right. Uh, okay, here's the thing. I'll tell you. When I went in and got the information about said vasectomy and they described it to me i got all hot and sweaty my face got flushed (laughs) i walk out of the doctor's office this really 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 happened i go to the receptionist at the doctor's office and say can you tell me where the restroom is she says right back there i went in and i threw up (laughs) because of the description of this once you have it though 
you don't notice, and it's a couple of days off of work. It's not a bad thing. I've had a vasectomy yep. as well. It is not. I will give you this advice, though. I will give you the ice for a few days and mm-hmm. then remove the ice. Do not. Yeah. Do not continue with the ice after three, four, five days. I made that mistake. I had to call the the, the doctor, the, the after hours doctor that t- <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? On? What's going on? Do not ice after a couple of days. A couple of, Get days. A couple of days and then after that, remove the ice, yep. hot shower, hot bath, you'll be good to go. But you know what? <laughs> Hey, five kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to retire. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. yeah, you don't need to put up Antonio Cromartie numbers. Oh, now my now. goodness. But congratulations. We're thrilled for Congrats. you. Congrats. And thanks very much for all the texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, the Blues have a new Hall of Fame. Started, and Chris Zimmerman, the president of your St. Louis Blues, will join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Minnesota Wild here on 101 ESPN and tomorrow night the Blues and Blue Jackets with the pregame at 5. It's always good to visit with the president of the St. Louis Blues, Chris Zimmerman, who is with us now on the Broad and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Randy. What a what a great time for uh, sports in St. Louis right now. It doesn't get any better. We got a couple of questions for you before we get into the Blues Hall of Fame and this season. Uh, number one, you heard Matthew Rocchio refer to Nathan Walker as Nadub, the uh, the official nickname given to him <laughs> by uh, the the opening drive here on 101 ESPN. Are you thumbs up or thumbs down on the nickname Nadub for Nathan Walker? You know, I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that. I mean, ultimately, uh, you're going to have to get. Some buy-in, probably from uh, Nathan himself. But <laughs> I mean, wh- wh- I gotta tell you, who can't love this guy and the way he plays and what he brings and uh, being an Aussie? What what a great deal that is. Yeah, he, he's so fun, and he, he's great to have on the team. The other question that we just got during the previous segment: macaroni and cheese. Do you eat it with a spoon or a fork? Spoon or fork? Fork. I'm a fork guy. Fork all the way, way right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't even I don't even understand why that's a question. Yeah, I'm, I'm that's what we say. It. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Hey, I am excited. Okay. Number one, Chris, I'm honored to be on the panel for the uh, the new Blues Hall of Fame, and I know this is something that's been talked about for a long time, and it's cool to see it come to fruition. Yeah, you know it is, and we have talked about it for a long time. Um, I, you know, people ask me why now. Um, you know, we're 55 years in, and um, maybe the important thing I always think about is, listen, the, the Blues alumni and not just the, the guys who we raise their sweaters and, quite honestly, not just the players that ultimately are going to come into this Hall of Fame. You know, the Blues alumni is a really special part of our organization. And, you know, this is just, in my view, this is a great way to honor some of those most Notable, most heroic, but uh, our alumni is uh, is just a really highly impactful part of our of our team, of our brand, and our community. And I'm uh, I'm thrilled that we're we're getting launching this this year. Hey, Chris, I know the the fan vote is uh, is going to make the next election, but how hard is it to to pick a Hall of Famer? And do you ever feel uh, disappointed if a certain guy does not get picked or, or not added? Well, um, since we're just launching. 
um, everybody's a candidate, so I'm not I'm not feeling bad about anybody. <laughs> I because, uh, we got we got a lot of years ahead of us doing this, and uh, you know a lot, a lot of great great players that have come and built this team. But boy, I think as we launch, um, that's an exciting part because uh, we're going to have some really really special uh, former NHL players uh, involved in this first class for sure. Blues President Chris Zimmerman with us on 101 ESPN. And Chris, I was telling Kerry during the break, I look at the list of nominees right now, and I don't think there's anybody that doesn't deserve to be in the Blues Hall of Fame. And I can think of other guys. The The franchise has, has such a great history of having talented people, whether it's people behind the bench or in the front office or on the ice. It seems like it won't be any trouble at all for the long term finding people to put in one a year to the Blues Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, I think that that's right. And uh, it's uh, look at, if you look at our, our playoff streak and uh, and ultimately, um, you know, our, our cup win, um, but so many great teams that, that didn't quite get to the top of the mountain and so many players that both in St. Louis and, and, and the impact they've had on other teams, um, yeah, the, the Blues history... Uh, really starting from those first three Stanley Cup finalists has been, um, you know, has, has had a, a, a really diverse and, and great depth in terms of impact both here and, and throughout hockey. Hey, Chris, you talked about uh, a great time to be involved in sports in St. Louis. Can you just speak to how much or how important it is for when the Cardinals are doing well or when St. Louis City comes in, when we had the Rams, how that impacts uh, your organization as, 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 as well as the other others? Well, I, listen, I, I am a huge believer that um, our sports teams are, are at, kind of at the center of the pride that people have in our community in our city, in our region. And um, I believe that momentum and positive, optimistic, unifying momentum that, that, that our sports teams bring is, is really one of the great powers in, in St. Louis. And, you know, and it's not just uh, the teams. Listen, I think to the, uh, as disappointing as I know it's been the last couple of weeks at Mizzou, um, boy, that football team and the way that they're playing, uh, that's a, a source of energy. And the fact that we're bringing them back to the um, St. Louis to play next year, along with other Mizzou events. And then um, uh, last week I got out and did really the first broad tour of the new Centene Stadium for the soccer club. And, and there was 7,000 runners for the Biz Dash. Th- these are things that... Um, you know, energize and bring our community together. And uh, I got to tell you, our players, um, I have no doubt, they've been out at games. They're going to get themselves over to Bush Stadium uh, as often as they can, I assure you. And this all strengthens uh, each of these organizations. Hey, Chris, one more thing. The inaugural class of the Blues Hall of Fame will be announced on October 15th when the Blues host Columbus. Is there going to be a place within Enterprise Center where there will be plaques or where, where there will be a display of the Hall of Famers? There will be. Um, our, the, our Hall of Famers um, will be on display to um, 
obviously both blues fans and every other event uh, that happens in our building 365 days a year. And uh, yes, we will be having a special way to honor them within, within the building. Well, we're looking forward to it. We are thrilled that the Blues are going to have the Hall of Fame. It's always great to have you on the show with us. By the way, it was good to see you at Lindenwood on Saturday. It's always good to be in your presence, Chris. Thanks so much for the time, and we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. That is the president of the St. Louis Blues, Chris Zimmerman, here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It on the Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Carrie, Matthew, Randy with you. And CD, Zach Wheeler is the presumptive game one starter for the Phillies against the Cardinals on Friday afternoon. This season, Wheeler is 12 and 7 with a 2.82 earned run average. However, in September and October, so far, Wheeler has made three starts and in a grand total of 15 innings, he has allowed just one run. He is 1-0 with an earned run average of 0.60. One earned run allowed and nine hits in the 15 innings in his three starts since September 1st. Take it or leave it, he scares you. <laughs> Thank you. He scares me too. <laughs> 14 scoreless that. innings against the Cardinals this year. Yeah, he's pretty good. He is, uh, yeah, I think that that's going to be uh, a test for the for the Cardinals come come Friday Friday afternoon. The only thing that gives me uh, great hope is how they've been playing the entire the the the, the towards the end of the season. They kind of limping into the playoffs, and so that gives you a chance to to really attack them early and get to them and get mm-hmm. after them. Um, but you you got to figure out a way to get some runs on the board uh, if he's if he's the starting if he's starting game one. Let me give you another quick one. Is. Uh, take it or leave it. Our guy Adam Wainwright is on the wild card round roster. I'll take it. Um, I don't. I mean, we talked about this. I doubt that he's a starter in in one of those three games. But I'll take that he's on the roster. I just think it, you you don't have that many people that are better than him, even when he's performing at the level that he's performed these last few starts. So I, I and knowing what he has, how he is, who he is. I, you got to have him on the roster because there may come a point where you need to need to have him come in and 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 get a couple outs for you. I think he'll be your twenty sixth guy. I do believe that if O'Neill were to be healthy and he's not going to be, that they probably would have gone with fourteen position players and twelve pitchers. But now since you don't have an O'Neill, I don't think you have anybody else a position player yeah. where you say he should be on rather than Wainwright. I think Adam will be on the roster as their twenty sixth guy. Take it or leave it, Paul DeYoung is on the roster. Take it. He has to be because you don't you have, have a shortstop. If, if Edmund gets hurt, he did get you don't a couple have... of hits. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish people ever... could see yeah. Randy's face I... when I said that. You're like, yeah. 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 I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> I mean, this guy was a good hitter at one point. And he looks just helpless up there. Your face looked like, yeah, well, blind squirrels find nuts every yeah. now and then, too, yeah. sir. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... 
I really feel bad for the guy. It's a it's a it's a tough thing to watch when you when you know when you've seen someone perform better and for whatever reason it's just kind of falling off a cliff and you don't have and you have no rhyme or reason for for what's taking place or why it's so yeah. so poor right now. Somebody may have the stats out there. If you do six five seven eight zero, I think this might be the worst seas offensive season for any Cardinal hitter that's ever had two hundred at bats in a year. It, it you said be, any batter, period, it, yesterday, didn't yeah, you? It could, be, Close to. it could be the worst season ever by wow. anybody. Uh, those last few, like, Chris Davis seasons. At least he was hitting home runs. He was hitting home runs, though. He was like 165. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I got one. Strike out a lot. I got one. So, I'm a, I'm a huge NBA fan. Warriors, to be exact, to be specific. Good for you. The, the Warriors pretty much bring back the same team. There was talks during the offseason that they may be getting rid of Jordan Poole or, or – um, um, uh, Kaminga and, and sending them to Brooklyn for, for KD. They, they didn't. They stayed there. They stayed put. Take it or leave it. The Warriors won another championship this year. I'm going to take it. And I'm going to take it for a couple of reasons. Number one, I believe that Clay will be better coming yeah. back for a whole season yeah. than he was last year. And if any coach and coaching staff in the NBA can turn James Wiseman into a factor, I think it's them. And he's a big man. He was the second pick in the draft. Super talented. He yeah. was the number one recruit yeah. to Memphis a few years ago. And I think he'll wind up being a factor for them. And that was the one thing that they missed was length. Mm-hmm. Having having a big man down in the post, being able to defend, uh, block some shots, and, and grab rebounds. That was the one thing that they were missing. I think Kaminga and Wiseman going to be playing a little bit more this season. I think they are. I take it as well. I think they win another championship. Yeah. Take it or leave it. The Lakers make the playoffs. I mean, listen, I'll take it. I don't know if they don't make the playoffs. Yes, I'm going to leave my LeBron slander. I don't hate the guy, (laughs) but I'm going to. I'll take it because they. If they don't make the playoffs, then that's a huge problem. The biggest issue there is street clothes, right? Yeah, he got he got he got to play and 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 do what he's he's supposed to be a top five player in the NBA. When he's can't do that when you don't play. There you go. (laughs) All right, Matthew, what do we got? Uh, I need to move away from Chris. Man, Chris Davis. His last is eighteen nineteen. He averaged uh, fifty nine RBI across five hundred and forty at bats with a one seventy three two fifty six three oh eight line. I think I think that might be worse than Paul DeYoung. Did he <laughs> how many home runs did he have? He did hit. Um, he average he hit, hit twelve one year and nine another year. Uh, no, no, sorry, sixteen one year and twelve another year. My bad. But still, it's not, is that still better? I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading things about that one. Take it or leave it. Number four all-time in home runs. Number two all-time in RBI. Number ten all-time in hits. Albert Pujols receives 100% of the ballot for the Hall of Fame. I'm gonna 100% leave it. is a lot. It's yeah. all of them. That's yeah. everybody. I'm gonna. You got to leave it because when's the last time anybody got 100% yeah, of, the, would, of the vote? Rivera got it, right? Jeter did not, I don't uh, think. Okay. Uh, I think there was uh, somebody that did not One vote voter, I think. Yeah. I think it was yeah, one, right. one person. Get it. I think, I think it's, just, it's just Mariano Rivera so far. Yeah. So, uh, what about Griffey? Griffey was three off. Okay. Th- for four thirty-seven for four forty. So there'll be an idiot that doesn't vote for him. Uh, yes. Which there's always one, right? Yeah. In every room, you never I mean, know. You, were, you usually do know who the idiot is, though. Right. There were three people <laughs> who saw Ken Griffey Jr.'s career and said, "Nah, 
not transcended enough. Didn't change the game of yeah. baseball. Didn't excite an entire generation. Didn't also set like a ton of franchise records for two. Uh, you know, over, who, you know, who, one of the oldest franchises in the entire sport. One of those three people were were probably upset that he used to wear his hat backwards. No doubt about I it. Guarantee yep. it. I guarantee it. I think one of the three is. I think one of the three is banking low. But, Albert, you know what'll happen is <laughs> right. somebody will say. But but Anaheim, but 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 the Angels. Yeah, you know, they'll, they'll say that. Yeah. In fairness, Greg Amsinger said, uh, or no, sorry, it was, it was Buster Olney who said his, what kind of made him selfishly happy about seven hundred was that he was not going to have to listen to anybody say. But what about Anaheim? Right, when right. the when the Pujols Hall of Fame debate would come up, he was like, "Good, we never have to even bring that up. This solidified his greatness. It's over. It's done. The conversation's never there." But you're probably right. Somebody will probably bring it up still. Can I give you one more quick one here? Geno Smith named NFC Player of the Week. Take it or leave it. It's his last one. I'll take that. I'm going to take that. How crazy would it be if he ends up Player of the Month (laughs) for two times, two months, and he's in the MVP conversation? Just just take me away. I don't know. I, I, I don't know anything else about football if that happens. By the way, he did win Player of the Week in Week 5 of 2013 as a rookie with the Jets. Really? Gino did, yeah. Wow. He's been playing some ball. He's been in the league for a very long time. They're a lot nicer to rookies. <laughs> uh, take it or leave it. The Cardinals' performance in the Wild Card Series will have a drastic impact on what decisions they make this offseason. I'm going to leave that. I don't think it'll make a, a, have a drastic yeah. impact. The word the Cardinals don't do anything drastically. Nothing about them is drastic. That that's where you lose me on that entire ticket. Mm-hmm. I got to leave it because nothing affects them that monumentally. And here's the thing: if Wayno retires, still a coin flip, you're going to have Michaelis, Matts, Flaherty, uh, who, what other M? Oh, uh, Montgomery. So Michaelis, Matts, Montgomery, Flaherty. And then you can take a look at a. They they might go out and do another Mike, uh, Stephen Matz type four year forty four million dollar pitcher, if Wayno retires. I think they're going to feel okay about their bullpen. They just signed Gallegos. They're going to have Helsley. They're going to try Hicks again. They they'll probably bring in uh, at least a lefty reliever. Yepes is going to be your right handed DH. Mm-hmm. You got to replace Dickerson. <clears throat> uh, Jordan Walker's probably going to be here. I don't think that there's going to be. A, a, a huge change, move yeah. on the part of the Cardinals. I would think that Donovan and Edmund will be your middle infield until Mason Wynn arrives in 2024. I don't think the Cardinals will get into that shortstop or second base market. Although, here's one thing that I could see happening, is if the Brewers don't pick up the option on Colton Wong with the changes, with no shifts anymore yeah. in Wong's range, I could see the Cardinals bringing Colton Wong back on a one-year deal. I would like that. I think he was a superb second baseman. I thought yeah. I, I didn't like when he left. I thought he, you know, I thought he had done a great job here. And you know, I, I would have preferred him staying here. He's he's done a very good job in Milwaukee. I would I would welcome him back with open arms. Yeah, and it, it, it everything would have to fall into place. But because of the defense, if you have Edmund and Wong up the middle, and Dylan Carlson playing center field. I think that they'd feel pretty good about that. And then, by the way, they need to get another catcher. Yeah, that might be the that, biggest that move is, of the offseason. Yeah, that would be the biggest yeah. move. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And we appreciate your text, 65780. Next up, we're through four weeks of the NFL season. Is there a single great team in the NFL? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. All right, the question of the day here at 803 Time Check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, is, is there a great team in the NFL? And by the way, there is. But Kerry, I got to throw this out there. The, the most entertaining team is not the best team. The most entertaining team allows the most points in the league and scores the most points in the league. The Detroit Lions allow ah. 35.3 a game, and they score 35 a game. That That is absolutely amazing. If they find a way to to give up one or two less touchdowns a game, they might be 4-0. Yeah. They are, mm-hmm. they are an explosive offense, and to say that with Jared Goff as your quarterback, and here's the thing, they, they are an explosive offense. They scored 45 points uh, last weekend versus the Seahawks. Did not have their starting receiver, who who is their best receiver right now. Did not have their starting running back, who is the, and they just find a way to still put up points with Jared Goff at quarterback. And they still don't have Jamison Williams. And they still don't have Jamison Williams. I, you know, I think that this team is is they're going to find a way. They probably end up around just under five hundred, or or maybe one game above five hundred. But next year, when they have a a, a full year under their belt with that entire roster and, and how they're figuring out how to go about their business, they're going to be a team to watch in the NFC North and in the NFC uh, as a whole. They are a very good football team, just having some troubles on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. And I, I would think that maybe if you had a, a Darius Slay still yeah. uh, <laughs> in the defensive backfield, uh, I think him and Matt Patricia had a had a run-in and, and there was a that, – that's why he's no longer there, Matt Patricia. Yeah, good job. Um <laughs> So I think if you had him, you might be able to limit some of those big plays uh, that the opposing offenses are having. But they are they are a very good team. Okay, now the reason this came up is because when Kerry Davis played in the Super Bowl with Pittsburgh, the Steelers obviously were great. The Patriots were great. I think the Colts at that point were yeah. great. And the Ravens were great, right? You had There were a, a yeah. lot of good teams in the AFC. When the Rams won the Super Bowl, Minnesota was great on both sides of the ball and on special teams. The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. were really good. Their offense wasn't great, but their defense was transcendent. And their special teams, they just didn't make mistakes. There were multiple good teams. Kerry, I think there's one great team in the NFL right now. Just one. Just one? Yep. Who would that be? Buffalo Bills. And they are two and two, if I'm yeah. not not yep. mistaken. But I think they're that's the team that's most complete on both sides of the ball. I know they can score. I have confidence in their defense. I have confidence in their ability to get after the quarterback, especially. And they don't have White right now, but they, mm-hmm. he'll be back. But I don't think there's any other team out there where I say, boy, all three phases they're outstanding. They're three and one. I, I, I gave okay, them an yeah. extra loss. Um, for me. I don't know that I, I I do agree they are one of the elite teams in the AFC uh, in in all of football. I know the Philadelphia Eagles are four and zero right now, so you would look at them and say potentially they mm-hmm. are the the team that you look at. They're still a little young for me. In order to be a great team or one of those transcendent teams that you talk about, you have to be a team that has done it in the playoffs, that has has had a a playoff run or two. Like when you talk about that Buccaneers team from two thousand in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. 
they went to the playoffs multiple times. They had scars. And, and, and they, had, they had gone through the, the fire and had not won, and then they finally won one. You talk about the Rams. They came out of nowhere in 99 and, and, and just burst on the scene and won the Super Bowl. But then you still had that same core of guys together, you know, a couple of years later when they went back to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. with that Steelers team that I was on. That team went to the Super Bowl three years prior. So those teams, those great, great teams that you speak about, generally have some playoff experience and, and and go through a little bit of the fire that you're talking about. Buffalo would probably be that team in the way that they lost in the uh, in the playoffs last year to Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah. And they may go to a Super Bowl, but is their running game great? Is the Buffalo running game great? No. It is not. And and the other issue that you have with Buffalo, I think uh, Poyer, their their other safety, got hurt. Micah Hyde is out mm-hmm. for the season. They're starting to get banged up a little bit in the secondary, um, and, and that will become an issue as the season goes longer because you got to be able to defend the pass, especially in the league the way that it's set up now. Um, that's my only concern. And as you said, Tredavious White still is not back from the pup list, still waiting to make his, his season debut. I like what they do offensively, but their inability to to commit to the run and their inability to stop people in mm-hmm. in, 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 in in certain situations, in certain instances, is going to be going to be the downfall for them. I know Josh Allen is great, Stephon Diggs is great. He got Isaiah McKenzie, he got Gabe Davis. He's got a lot of guys to throw the football to, and and more times than not, Josh Allen is your leading rusher. He's the guy that you're going to run the ball with. I just think you're going to have to hand the ball off to a running back, and he got to pick up some yards. I yep. know they had a big game from Devin Singletary the other day, but they got to do it consistently, and they they haven't shown a willingness to do that thus far. Yep. I only have four games of evidence from the Kansas City secondary, so I don't know about them. I, I have it's complete... better than it was last year. It is, yeah, but the, <laughs> it's just so young, and that's why I don't know. But. Uh, uh, I'm willing to give Spags the benefit of the doubt, but I'm just not sure about the talent yet. And by the way, Nick Bolton is yeah. really a nice yeah. player from from Mizzou. Uh, they get the defensive end from Purdue, who, who's getting after the passer. They've they've got a lot of really nice elements in Kansas City. They do, and and you still got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and they are. I think I think Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have have maybe figured out that they have to run the football, especially now with without Tyreek here, without Tyreek there. They they no longer have that 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 automatic deep threat. You still got Travis Kelsey who was a, a nightmare for anybody, any defense that is trying to stop him, but they don't have another guy that they trust the way that they trusted Tyreek Hill. So now they're gonna have to run the ball just a little bit more to try to keep defenses honest because what you saw in the playoffs with them People, they were the, the the Bengals rushed three and dropped eight and said, "Patrick, you can stay back there all day, try to find somebody." And he was unable to, and they 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 end up getting coverage sacks because of it. The Bengals are one of the three other teams I wanted to touch on, and by the way, they, they redid their offensive line, but it hasn't gelled yet. They no. that that offensive line is far from a championship offensive line right now. They are they are struggling. Um, and here's the thing about sacks: people always assume. Oh, he got sacked. The offensive line is not blocking. Nah, not always. Sometimes the quarterback is not getting rid of the ball in time. Sometimes the receivers are not recognizing that it's a hot and they need to break their route off in order for the quarterback to throw them the ball, which forces him to hold it longer. And sometimes the offensive line just gets whipped at the at the point of attack, and that's why they get beat. So it's all three of those factors. And I, I didn't mention a running back not picking up his blitz and allowing the quarterback to get sacked also. So those four components lead to sacks. It's not always just on the 
the offensive line, but they have to find some route combinations that allow Jamar Chase, T. Higgins to get open quicker and sooner as opposed to taking shots downfield. Because when you get the ball in those guys' hands, it's a few guys in this league. When they get the ball in their hands, it doesn't matter if it's a five-yard route, a, 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 a one-yard route, or a go route. They're going to make a big play. And and Jamar Chase is one of those guys that you find any way to get the ball in his hands early. The Super Bowl champions have not overcome the retirement of Andrew Whitworth. They haven't overcome the injury to Van Jefferson yet. Maybe as the season goes along, that, that's another team where the offensive line has really struggled. And it's strange to say, but they need Jefferson to get healthy because they're... They, they lose Odell Beckham Jr. They don't really have a compliment right now for a Cooper Cup. They are. they. Well, I mean, who would know? Because they don't throw the ball yeah. to anyone other than Cooper yeah, Cup. they don't throw it to Allen Robinson. They are throwing. They are force-feeding him the football. And it, it, it becomes, it's almost like, what what are we doing? Why are, why are we not even attempting to get anyone else the ball? Um they have to figure that out. They don't. They also are a team that is not interested in running the ball a mm-hmm. whole lot. They don't. It's not something that they they care about. Their leading rusher in four games has 138 yards. In four Ooh. games, in four football games, he has 34 carries. That's one game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has 34 carries for 138 <laughs> yards. That's their leading rusher. That's less than Saquon had <laughs> last week. <laughs> right. So they are not attempting to run the football. They are throwing the ball to Cooper Cup. I mean, he. They they are targeting him. He has 54 targets. Allen Robinson has 18. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they are force-feeding him the football, and and that's part of their problem, why they're struggling offensively. Yeah, t- uh, Cooper, Cooper Cup is getting his. He's, getting, he's having a great season, but they are not able to do anything else offensively because there is no rhythm to the offense. They're just saying, hey, Cooper, catch the football. We know you're not going to throw it here. We'll tackle him. We'll get him on the ground. Maybe he will score. Maybe he won't. But they have to figure out a way to – Get some other people involved, and and Jalen Ramsey has to has to step it up as well. He's yeah. he's been burnt a little bit a couple of times uh, in this season, and and so he's going to have to step it also okay. step it up also. If the Packers get their receivers going, are the Packers great? No, I, what's no. The, what's the flaw? They don't have the receivers. <laughs> I don't think they can get going. Okay. I don't think I don't think that that core group. Romeo Dobbs is is a player that I know that they were high on. They were speaking you know highly about um, in the offseason, in the preseason. I don't. When you lose a player of Devontae Adams' significance, his greatness, his ability to—I mean, he can make people miss in a phone booth. His routes are, are some of the best route, some of the best route running that I've ever seen. When you lose a guy like that, and you don't have anyone to take the place of it, like like I said, Kansas City lost Tyreek Hill. They still got one of the best tight ends to ever play the game in Travis Kelsey the Green Bay Packers lose Devontae Adams, they don't have one no. of the best players ever to play the game to replace that. They, I don't see a, a, a situation where they really get going and, and have the success that they should. They may have they'll, – they'll probably win the NFC North because why not? They're, the Bears are there. The Lions, as we talked about, are there. And the Minnesota Vikings always find a way to, to, to you know, mess things up yep. later in the season. So – Kirk Cousins tends to tends to do that from time to time. So they'll win the division, but I don't see them having a, a long, lengthy playoff run. And then the last team, and I know that you're you have difficulty being rational and level headed. But I think if the Ravens would have and I never thought I'd say this about John Harbaugh, I think if they would have made smart decisions, they could easily be 4-0. They, the, the loss <laughs> to Miami, the loss last weekend where they didn't go for the or the, the they didn't kick the field goal at the one yard line and they easily could have. 
Yeah, they I, and I, I don't have any problem being rational because I actually really, really like Lamar Jackson. I love his game. I love what he brings to the table. And I think the man should be paid the amount of money that he should be paid. Um, they lost to the Dolphins by four. They lost to the to the Bills by three. Um they are they are literally a play away from from being four and zero in both of those games. Mm-hmm. If they were able to stop anybody uh, in the Dolphins game or in, the, in the, the fourth just quarter, run the ball. yeah, and, and, and get a first down yep. or two or three, and maybe knock a pass down or pick one yep. off with two or win off in the fourth quarter, you have a win there. And if you kick the field goal and don't try for and don't here's a, if you don't turn it over, yeah. they're on the one yard line. He turned it over, yep. threw an interception, put it on the twenty yard line. Just don't turn it over. Now the defense, now the offense is backed up, and your defense has a chance to either get a safety or they got to go 99 yards to get a touchdown. Um, so you know, some learning, learning curves, some learning processes. But I think the Ravens are are. I think they should win the AFC North. We'll see how they how and, they can figure things out. And though. by the way, Harbaugh is great. I know he's yeah. made bad decisions, yeah. but yeah. He, he and I think they made a mistake in firing Wink, Mar- Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator. But I think that he, Harbaugh, is a terrific head coach. Kerry, Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues hockey with Hockey Hall of Famer Bernie Federico next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The St. Louis Blues will unveil their Hall of Fame on October 15th in a game against Columbus. One guy already in there is Hockey Hall of Famer Bernie Federico, who will join us every Wednesday during the hockey season with Kerry Davis and Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN. Bernie, good morning. Great to have you with us. How are you? Thank you, Randy. Everything is fantastic. It's been a great summer, and hey, it still feels like summer. It's yeah, real good. <laughs> it, it, it does. And man, it, it for hockey players, it goes fast, doesn't it, the, the offseason? It does. You know what? Uh, no matter how long you get off, or uh, I think that you, you know, after a month uh, of, of doing nothing, I think you start getting the itch to start playing again. But uh, the summers seem to go faster and faster. And, and I think as you get older, it certainly does that. But uh, I think the guys are pretty excited to be back. Uh, they had a you know, great, great season. And I think they, they really believe that they're still in that window. And I, and I think it should be a really exciting season this year. Hey, Bernie, a name that we've talked about here is uh, Clem Costin, obviously uh, immensely talented, um, but maybe not performing at the level that, that the Blues expect him to or need him to right now. Um, is he is he, is he going to make the team? And if not, if he goes down in the minors, does he clear waivers or, and, or does another team uh, pick him up? That's a really good question. You know, again, uh, he's one of those guys that uh, – um, that the organization is still waiting to take that next step. So, I mean, uh, you know, you can only, I guess, have so much patience, and he probably can only have so much patience. If he's not going to make the squad, is he going to get picked up in waivers? And he'd probably like to probably, if he gets a chance, go and get an opportunity to play in the league. But th- those are those are decisions that management has to make, and I'm sure there are some tough, division, or to, uh, you know, uh, choices that they're going to have to make decisions uh, over the course of the next, next few days to get the roster back to uh, where it's supposed to be, the 23 that they need. Uh, to start the season in, in, in what ten days now. So, uh, but these are decisions, and, and you know, Clem has got a great size. He's got a great shot. Uh, I think that uh, 
Chief has said that he wants him to get a little more involved all the time when he's playing out there. So, I mean, that's again, that's a decision the hockey operations uh, have to make. But certainly he is one of those guys that, that uh, has got a lot of talent. Bernie, during the offseason, obviously the Blues gave the contract to Robert Thomas. And you watch every game and you are a Hall of Fame center. What did you see from Robert Thomas? And do you see anything where he needs to still ascend? Well, Randy, he's still a young man. Uh, you know what? He, he had a great season last year. I mean, he's had a great uh, you know run so far in, in his short career. I mean, he's only had really the one contract. I mean, the little bridge of a contract, and now he's got long term that starts next year. But I think it's just the potential that you see from him. Uh, his vision is unreal. I mean, he's a he's not a big guy, but he's he's solid. He's over two hundred pounds. Uh, he skates very well, and I think that he was given the opportunity by the coaching staff last year not to just play. Uh, you know, certain minutes. I mean, he was able to play the power play, penalty kill. He was he, he got really a lot better on the faceoffs. He was used in faceoffs in his own zone, and I think that's where you see where where the maturity of of, of a young player uh, starts coming. But uh, I think that Robert, uh, I think, proved to the organization last year that he is a, a cornerstone, something that they can build about around, and uh, because of the way he plays, because the, the the you know the vision that he has and the way he dishes the puck to his wingers. But I think the one thing that He's still going to have to get more uh, involved with his, his scoring goals. I mean, he ended up scoring 20 goals last year, but uh, you know, a lot of them came late in the season. Uh, I think that he has to shoot the puck more. I mean, I think everybody knows that he's going to pass, pass, pass. And I think when you're in that situation, uh, you get stereotyped, and and then all of a sudden, um, you know, the defending team just goes ahead and picks up the wingers, and then there's really no one to pass it to, and then. Uh, he's stuck in a situation where he may not be in a situation to, to, to take a good shot. So I think those are still the little things that, that he'll learn. But uh, I think when you look at just the way he plays and, and the talent that he has, that uh, he is going to be the cornerstone of this uh, Blues organization going forward. Hey, Bernie, you were a great offensive player, great great hockey player in general. Uh, and and a, a guy that comes to mind is Jordan Kyrou. What do you see from him and, and what do you think uh, is his ceiling and, and potential in this league? Well, Jordan proved last year that he is a, an all-star. I mean, he, he skates very well. I mean, uh, I think the explosiveness of, of the way he skates and, and the way he shoots the puck, uh, he's very elusive uh, and very quick. So, we, I mean, he's going to have to continue to use uh, those skill sets that he have to, 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 to get to be, uh, uh, I guess, a consistent scorer. And I think that's what the, the Blues are looking from him. I mean, uh, he signed a, a big-ticket uh, contract as well, just like Robert did. And, and I think that the... Uh, Doug Armstrong has put his faith in the two of them being the cornerstone uh, of the Blues right now, and uh, so Jordan's just going to have to continue to 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 uh, improve as a as a two way hockey player. I guess we saw that. I said that from about Robert Thomas last year. Robert got the opportunity to to play both ends of the ice, defensively and uh, offensively, and and I think that's where Jordan needs to continue to work on his game. He's got to get stronger defensively, and that and that has a lot to do with just getting stronger. And and it's it's a willpower uh, defense most of the time, you know, coming back and and doing the job defensively is is outworking the, the player that you're playing uh, across from. And so I think that's the one thing with Jordan. Uh, he's not a big guy, so he's gonna he's gonna get hit a bunch of times. So he's gonna have to make sure that he gets big, you know stronger physically. Uh, but certainly, uh, I think he's gonna have to improve his defensive game and uh, so that he can play 
and get you know a lot more minutes than he's been used to playing over the course of the last couple of years. Bernie, we're all hoping that Thomas Grice is sufficient as a backup goalie, but man, it's been a while since here in St. Louis, the Blues have relied on one goalie to succeed as much as they appear to be relying on Bennington this year. You had the, the pairings with Jake and Bennington. You had the pairing of Halak and Elliott. It, it, it really is one of those years where there's a tremendous amount of expectation for Jordan Bennington to be great. Yeah, and I think that we're all in that same boat, Randy. I mean, there's no question that when you you look at what Jordan has done in his career, I mean, he, he was the backstop in the Blues winning Stanley Cup in 2019. Uh, you know, he had some ups and downs last year, uh, but I, I think uh, at the end of the season, I think he proved to everybody that, that he was back to where his form was, uh, you know, and it was pretty high standard that he set back in 2019. But, yeah, there's pressure on him. There's always pressure on a goaltender. But I think Jordan uh, has been able to handle that. And I, and I think, yeah, maybe he's going to be looked at a little more because he uh, he's going to – I mean, but, I mean, Thomas Grice is a good backup. I, I think this was a good signing. He's a, an experienced goaltender so that if, if there isn't any – um, you know, missteps or, or any injuries that, that I think Thomas can, can step in and do a good job uh, with the goaltending. But certainly this team is on Jordan Bennington's shoulders. I mean, Jordan has proven that he can can play. He played great last night, and, and, and I expect the same thing. And if there's going to be a little bit of a rocky road, sometimes I, I don't think anybody can play, you know, 82 perfect games. I mean, Jordan's going to have his ups and ups and downs, but I think uh, mentally he's so strong and he's in great physical shape, so... Uh, I think there's there's nothing wrong. I mean, you, you see, a lot of the organizations always are, are going to count on one goaltender. I mean, look at Tampa. Uh, you know, they've won a couple of cups with Vasilevsky, so there's no no reason that, that the Blues can't do the same thing with Bennington. Hey, Bernie, before we let you go, I want to swing back to the Hall of Fame because. You've been around for more than 80% of this franchise's existence, and you know the players that have their numbers up in the rafters. 24 is up there. Is there a player or management person that you think has not been honored yet that would be a great fit for the Hall of Fame? I think there's a few, Randy. I mean, I'm not going to give any names out, but uh, I think that that's what this is all about. And I think that, yeah, there's numerous uh, players and management and um, I, I can go through all kinds of, 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 you know, even, you know, trainers and, and, and uh, support staff that, that really deserve to be in, in, in the St. Louis Blues Hall of Fame. There's been so many uh, you know, different uh, you know, people that have, have, have really been so instrumental uh, in, in the organization. And I think there's, there's lots. And I think that's what, uh, so wonderful about uh, uh, this new Hall of Fame is that we're going to see people that, that deserve to get recognized that are going to get recognized along the way. And I think it's just wonderful. All right, Bernie, great to have you with us. We'll talk to you every Tuesday, uh, every Wednesday here on 101 ESPN and looking forward to Bally having the games again and you doing the pre and between periods and post game for all the games. Thanks, guys. It should be a lot of fun. Let's let's hope it's another, uh, hey, maybe we could have another uh, celebration of the parade next year. So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> it'll be fantastic. Thank you, Bernie. Thanks, guys. That's See a great you. Bernie Federico, the Hall of Famer with us on 101 ESPN. By the way, I mentioned yesterday, a guy that Bernie actually came up and played with for a few years was Gary Unger. Bernie and Brian came up in 76, and Unger played here until 79, and then he was traded to Atlanta. But 
Throughout the 70s, from, let me give you his numbers as a member of the Blues. We've got to scroll to this for Gary Unger. Nine years with the Blues. He played 662 games. He set the all-time consecutive games played record, which has since been eclipsed. But he had 292 goals, 283 assists, 575 points. And he was really the only guy on the team. They, they, they occasionally had other players, but he was the star of the Blues for the better part of those nine seasons. Yeah, you said he was the, the main focal point, the, the really the reason why Blues fans would go watch uh, yeah. that team in, in that era. So uh, I, I definitely think it's a great thing, great thing for these men to be recognized, to have an opportunity to be voted on uh, by fans and, and to, to get that opportunity because – when you're you're a Hall of Famer, Randy, you get inducted into a Hall of Fame. It's an awesome feeling, and, and to be recognized by your peers and by those um, that have that were around you and that watched you perform, it's a, it's an awesome thing. So before we get to the fight, I got to tell you guys a story. I got inducted into the Lindenwood Athletic Hall of Fame on Saturday night. We finished the ceremony, and I'm talking to my family, and for whatever reason, I'm looking down at my shoes, and I see that the toe of one shoe is wider than the toe of another shoe. (laughs) I wore, to a Hall of Fame ceremony, two different shoes. Here's the kicker. The left one was one with shoelaces, the right one was a (laughs) slip-on. I have no idea you how I realize did it. it. <laughs> Both black, completely different. So, uh, for one of the more important events oh. that I'll ever be at, I wore separate shoes, and, and no one noticed. Nobody it's all noticed. Good. Yeah, <laughs> nobody noticed until I noticed. I guess somebody Rammer was interviewing me, so we're sitting there. Somebody in the very front may have said. Hey, he's got two different shoes on, but nobody said anything until uh, I noticed. That is hilarious. Oh, my goodness. So that's my story for you, and I'm sticking to it. Coming up, the fight on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, Average Joe. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. Today, Rock, we have a contestant that is back for round two. He, uh, he took down Megamind yesterday. Uh, pretty amazing feat from Chris. Chris, how are you doing this morning? Uh, CD, I'm doing great. I got my smoke detector fixed. I'm in round two. I'm feeling pretty good. If you guys don't mind, I'd like to do a quick shout out. Uh, I got a friend who listens. I've been on your show four shows in a row, actually. I've been uh, had a couple uh, Friday and Monday. I was on a uh, mic drop, and he keeps on texting me. So yesterday and today. So I got to say, Sim, how you doing, bud? Uh, love you, even though you're a Cubs fan and uh, Cubs suck. So let's get this going. <laughs> that That's is a true great shout friend. Out. Great shout out. That is a great <laughs> friend. I love it. Yes. <laughs> All right, Chris. Let's go. Let's get ready to roll. All, All right. right. Happy birthday, Super Mario. Mario Lemieux. During his 1992 cancer-shortened season, which scoring category did he lead the league in despite missing 24 games? Was it goals, assists, or points? I'm going to go with assists. On this day in 2003, Dante Hall put together one of the greatest single-season returns and stretches of all time. Backing up to the eight-yard line. Dancing. Middlebrooks can't get him. Oh, now he's back inside the five. The five is seen. 
He's gone. He's got the kicker to beat, and that's Moore. Ladies and gentlemen, you are watching something that has never happened before in the National Football League. And thank you for that lead in Kevin Harlan. That was a 93-yard return by Dante Hall against the Denver Broncos in 2003. That return set an NFL record for consecutive games with a kick or punt return by a player at how many consecutive weeks? Was that three, four, or five? It's uh, a good one. I really don't know. I'm going to go right in the middle with four. All right, Chris, there are only three football coaches to win both an NCAA national title and a Super Bowl. Two of them won their Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys and Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer. Who was the third to do it? Was it John Harbaugh, Nick Saban, or Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll. After McDonald's founder Ray Kroc retired from the company in 1973, which MLB franchise did he purchase? Was it the Washington Senators, the Houston Astros, or the San Diego Padres? Oh, geez. Uh, he was from the East. I uh, the Washington Senators. Not sure. You cut out there when you. I heard your answer to the Washington Senators. You said it, you cut out when I heard you say he's from. Ray Kroc from Illinois, actually. Yeah. How about that? Okay. Yeah, first first McDonald's he found was in De Plaine, Illinois. There, I, I I've, that. I've passed that a time or two, yeah, I I'm sure, you, I'm sure yeah. you have. So uh, let's double-check our scores here for, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. You're, you're correct here. I'm wrong. sorry. <laughs> my fingers went up in a different way than I wanted them to. The scores have been confirmed. We are waving Randy character in. My apologies we for that, We definitely Kerry. have to confirm. I had to look twice. <laughs> Rock saw the look on my face when he put up a number, and I was like, what? <laughs> What are we doing? What did I miss? We were confused. Sorry about that, Chris. Chris, how you feeling? How you did today? Uh, eh, maybe a little bit. Maybe about what I did yesterday. So you know, it worked out well for you. Yeah, it did. Randy, welcome Chris back. Chris, good morning. Welcome back. Good to have you with us. How you doing? Doing good, Randy. Happy Albert Pujols Day. Same to you. (laughs) I, I understand that my dog is going to have five meals today. Oh. There you oh, go. Wow. To celebrate Albert Pujols. I might do the same. <laughs> it's it's like a good day. All right, Randy, here we go. All hey, right. Happy birthday to Super Mario, Mario Lemieux, during his 1992 cancer-shortened season. Which scoring category did he lead the league in despite missing 24 games? I'll go with points. On this day in 2003, Dante Hall put together one of the greatest stretches in NFL history. Backing up to the eight-yard line. Danson, Middlebrooks can't get him. If he's all, oh, now he's back inside the five, but finds the seam. He's gone. He's got the kicker to beat, and that's Moore. Ladies and gentlemen, you are watching something that has never happened before in the National Football League. That was a 93-yard punt return from Dante Hall against the Denver Broncos. That return set an NFL record for consecutive games with a kick or punt return by one player at how many consecutive weeks? I think it was four. I was at that game in Kansas City. Unbelievable. Really? Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. Unbelievable. All right, Randy, there are only three football coaches to win both an NCAA title, national title, and a Super Bowl. Two of them won their Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys and Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer. Who was the third? National title in college, Barry yep. Switzer, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, you would and have a Super Bowl. to think that uh, Pete Carroll won a national championship at USC and won a let me just make sure that that I can't imagine that there's anybody you know. It's got to be Pete Carroll. All right. After McDonald's founder Ray Kroc retired from the company in 1973, which MLB franchise did he purchase? 
he purchased and uh, outfitted them in the McDonald's colors, the San Diego Padres. His After he died, his wife, with no respect whatsoever, Ozzie Smith wanted to raise, and she offered him a gardening job at her house. <laughs> Would that have been a race? Not great. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, yeah, Ray's wife uh, did not do uh, a very good job of owning the Padres after he passed away. They traded Ozzy, and obviously we won World Series and got an, a Hall of Famer out of it. There you go. What happened here on the fight, Chris, in round two? Was he able to push it to round three? Will he be taking a shot at the King again tomorrow at a shot for the Hall of Fame? No need to gild the lily on this one. Randy Carricker came to play today. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! Just win, baby. There it is. So one of the great things, by the way, about the the seven years where we didn't have a football team between the time the football Cardinals left and the Rams came mm-hmm. was Joe Montana and the, the Chiefs. You know, they, they got yeah. him at that point. But this was pre-Montana. But that was, I think, the best punt return I've ever seen that we heard. That was unbelievable. And you heard all the correct answers. We're going to go through them really quickly. Uh, Chris, obviously, um, great great uh, job. You got two out of the four correct. Randy got all four correct. So, unfortunately, uh, Megamind does does beat you in this round two, four to two. Yeah, hey, no problem. It was an honor to play. It's uh, special to just get one. It's really hard to get two. So, um, you know, I'm just happy I got the one. So, Good job, Chris. Thank Good you job, very much. Chris. Good job, Chris. Thanks for playing. Really quickly, here are the answers. Mario Lemieux led the 1992 NHL season in points with 160 despite missing 24 games due to cancer. I forgot they used to play 84 games in an NHL season. On this day in 2003, Dante Hall put together his fourth consecutive return. He had kick returns in weeks two and four of that season and then punt returns in weeks three and five. That was also his seventh return in ten games. Little which was aside, an NFL record. we hear the term stealing money from athletes. When Dante Hall came to the Rams, he stole money, man. (laughs) (laughs) Keep catching them checks. It was, in fact, Nick Saban, the the third coach to win an NCAA national title. And then Pete Carroll. What did I say? Nick Saban. Nick Saban, sorry. Pete Carroll. (laughs) Nick Saban was one of the options that was incorrect. It was, in fact, Pete Carroll, USC, and then the Seahawks. And then Ray Kroc, once he left McDonald's, did, in fact, purchase the San Diego Padres, giving them a great color scheme. We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. That's it. <laughs> Unless you want more. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to talk about something. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Rain's waiting for me to disagree with him again. I'm just it again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Okay. No, so we're just... Uh... We're done? We're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, okay, that's go. good. <laughs> We're on to Florida. <laughs> Sean Kelly is the St. Louisan who is the voice of the Florida Gators, his first year as their voice, one of our great friends here at 101 ESPN. And Sean will join us next on the opening drive with Carrie and Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
with Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Now, the Florida Gators made a big hire during the offseason in bringing in Billy Napier as their new head football coach. But then they made a bigger hire in getting a new play-by-play guy, St. Louis and Sean Kelly, one of the best in the biz and a great friend who's with us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Randy, you can't you can't intro me like that. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. But you're, you're, That's all right. Hi guys, you're great. I, it's great to have you with us. How's everything going in your inaugural campaign as the the voice of the Gators? Yeah, I'm settling in a little bit. Believe it or not, it was kind of a very unexpected life change, um, as it turns out, in a good way, and not anything I was expecting by any means. The training camp was. Uh, a matter of me getting around town with the help of my phone, and by by week one, I can I can get to work and back and find the stadium without you know some <laughs> computerized women's voice telling me to turn here and turn there. So in that sense, it's it's going pretty well. Hey, Sean, I, I want to talk about the, the, your quarterback and Anthony Richardson, uh, a young man that, that is getting an opportunity this year. Uh, I thought he made a great decision in the offseason to, to go to this, this, remove himself from the nickname that was given to him. What have you seen from him, and, and, and how good can this young man be? Yeah, no, I think he can be really good. The ceiling's high. You know, you know when I first saw him, he's, a, he's an off-the-bus All-American. I mean, he looks the part. Right? <laughs> And he could play power forward in the NBA, and he could probably play, you know, tight end as well. You know, so when you look at him, it's all there. The size, the the ability to run, an explosive arm, uh, you know, all those things are in play. But yet not a whole lot of experience as a starter, and especially in the Southeastern Conference. So that's been a learning process. I think here in the last couple of weeks, he's learned more about preparing for a start, which – I think it's sometimes overlooked. And I think that he's also gotten away from playing carefully, which he did in weeks two and three, and now has let it rip here in his last two starts. And so now I think we're back toward what people are projecting him as as a possible first-round pick in the NFL. I still think that's the case because in that league, we're drafting more on potential than ever before, and he's got all kinds of potential in that sense. Um, You know, he's still got a lot to learn, and, and he's taken some lumps, too, and he's done so against ranked teams and some of the better defensive minds in college football. So this hasn't been some easy start for Anthony Richardson as a, you know, as a signal caller in a, in a power five, let alone at Florida. So little by little, you see growth, and, and uh, when that matches up with the God-given talent, it could be very special. Billy Napier was one of the really hot names when the, the Gators got him last year. What sort of a program do you think he's going to run? In terms of what sort of a style do you think when he gets it going, we'll see? Will it be more like Steve Spurrier, or will it be more like what Urban Meyer did? A mix of the two, probably a little more toward the Urban Meyer mold. Um, I think that if if we're looking at the, the feel-good side of it, it's going to be more like Spurrier in that very um, family-heavy uh, brotherhood, work and fight for one another, um, and maybe less heavy-handed than, say, Urban was. Urban was, I don't want to call Urban a taskmaster, but uh, he kind of ruled with an iron fist in a lot of ways during his time here and, and at other stops, too, uh, and to his detriment, obviously, at the NFL level. But um, as far as the style of play goes, it's going to lean more toward Urban and less 
fun and gun spurrier type mm-hmm. stuff on the field. Does that allow uh, this Florida program to get back to the, the prominence that it once had? I mean, when you look at uh, SEC in the state of Florida, you think Florida, Miami, uh, Florida State, uh, but Florida has not been been what it has been, what it was over the few years, you know, over the last few years. Does that allow them to get back to that to that level? Well, that's I mean, obviously that's the hope and. And I'm a big process guy, uh, and so I watch Billy Napier, who is, like, process-driven to the nth degree. And so I think those things do translate into long-term success. Uh, this comes down to getting players, you know, and, and that's the task ahead of him now is replenishing a roster that kind of had fallen off at the end of the Mullen era. And so he's got to get talent here. It's clear where he sees the needs of this football team just based on, you know, the early recruiting reports. He needs defensive linemen. He needs a a game changer, a wide receiver. Uh, So he's targeting specific things. And, you know, when you combine those two things, I think Florida gets back into the mix of being amongst the elite, which pretty much I think that you'd have to say that, you know, if you're looking at a traditional sense, Florida has always kind of been in that conversation except for here of late. So, um, yeah, it could head that direction. How long it will take, I don't know. Um, Obviously this year, they want to be better than last because that was, you know, kind of rock bottom by Florida standards. I think it's a bowl team this year. Uh, and then beyond that, the expectations will be much higher. Sean Kelly, the St. Louisan and voice of the Gators with us on 101 ESPN. You've got Mizzou coming up. And, man, Mizzou gave Georgia all they could handle. I would think that that's probably a wake-up call. If you thought Mizzou was going to be a walkover, which is completely reasonable, you watch the Georgia game and it kind of changes your mind. Yeah, but how reasonable is it when – Seemingly, Missouri and Florida can't figure each other out. It's 5-5 in the 10-game series since the Tigers joined the SEC. Uh, All the games seem to be funky and wild. I kind of laugh at the line right now, which I think actually moved to 11. I think it started at 10. It's at 11 right now. I kind of giggle at that because I watched Missouri play Georgia this past Saturday, and if Mizzou comes into the swamp and blitzes like Baker did – and hits as hard as they did. I mean, they were flying around on defense and just punishing type hits. Uh, Florida's really got their hands full. So I think it's closer than 11. Uh, That's just me. And I think it's going to be some freak play because of the series of the way that it's gone. And then, uh, you know, is is Mevis going to, you know, try and set the three-point record again in football this week Uh, (laughs) on long field goals? So, uh, you know, I find it to be very unpredictable in that, I find Missouri to be very unpredictable and Florida maybe to some extent too. Hey, Sean, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk about my Illini. I, I have to give the Illini some love whenever they get a chance. Um, I, I would wonder what your thoughts are on their season thus far and, and you know going into Wisconsin last weekend and getting a big win and how much how well do you think they can go? How well do you think they can do for the rest of the season? Well, I just, I'll be truly honest in that when I was doing the national schedule for ESPN Radio for college football, I would have probably paid a little bit more attention to what Illinois is doing. Although I know this, the Illini have made themselves relevant again um, in that I don't think you count them out. And much like Missouri has ended a couple of Florida head coaching careers, uh, seemingly, (laughs) uh, you know, the Illini now have uh, mantled themselves as as the Chris killer in Wisconsin. So, (laughs) look, this is an Illinois team that wasn't in that position here through long stretches, long-suffering stretches of Illinois fans. But, you know, slow but sure, and maybe maybe this is the right build. Instead of the quick fix, I think now there's this 
kind of let's let's do this the right way and be patient about it. And perhaps I don't want to get you know out over my skis on this. Maybe this is maybe this is the way for the Illini, and I hope that continues because look, that's another brand that's been sleeping for a long time, and it's good for college football when we get you know the flagships back involved in each of their conferences. Sean, a couple of years ago, I was doing an event with the then Missouri athletic director, Jim Sterk, and I was complaining, not complaining, I was just asking a question about the uh, non-conference schedule because it's not strong when Mizzou plays their their non-conference schedule. And unfortunately for me, as I asked the question, Mizzou had number one Alabama and number two Georgia coming up. And he said, aren't you happy with playing number one and two back-to-back? But uh, that leads me into this gauntlet that Florida has. After Mizzou, LSU seems to have found themselves a little bit under Brian Kelly. They're number 25 in the country now. Then you guys have Georgia. And going to A&M is always going to be a real battle. So the, the Gators, after this Mizzou game, and like you say, including this Mizzou game, this next month for Florida is really a gauntlet. Yeah, it's a gauntlet, and I think these next two weeks, Randy, are the pivot. This is the pivot point, I think, for Florida's season. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. We talked about Richardson's development as a quarterback. You know, he started against the top ten team against Utah. They played Kentucky, who ended up being the top ten briefly. Tennessee's right there. You know, take away South Florida and Eastern Washington, and really, I think Florida's strength of schedule has been has been very good, and it only now, as you mentioned, gets tougher in the sense that. And this is why I say that the next two are pivotal. The the Missouri game and the LSU game, and no offense to anybody here, I think are winnable games for Florida. They're not guarantees, but I think they're in the category of you could win this football game. If they take the next two, in Billy Napier's first season, they're now positioned to have quite an interesting season. But because of the gauntlet that you referred to, if they split these next two or, you know, God forbid for the – emotional well-being of Gainesville, Florida, (laughs) if they drop the next two, you know, the season could spiral on them and you lose any kind of momentum that you would get in any head coach's normal first season. So this is, I think, the pivot point. Missouri Saturday, LSU the following Saturday, which will be a night game now at uh, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. So if, if you don't do something special in these next two weeks, you're right. It's, it, it's, it's going to get loose because Georgia's Georgia, A&M is, and I, they've made me look good here, guys, because I said they were overrated before the season. They've proven to be that way. But as you both know, playing at Kyle Field is a different animal. So you're playing a road game there. And then, you know, are you scrambling to be bowl eligible with games against South Carolina and Vanderbilt after that? So, yeah, I think these next two weeks are truly the, the moments, you know, with regard to season one under Napier. Hey, Sean, I don't know if you you know this yet because you, you're just now the first season with the Florida Gators. With you, I, and maybe you can come back and tell us later on in the season, which home field advantage is the best in the SEC or which school has the best tradition uh, for football in the SEC? Wow. Uh, and I've been to most all of them now. Um, Neyland is on its way back in Knoxville now that Tennessee's relevant again. Saturday night in Death Valley is still to me – one of the most special experiences in college football. Um, and Saturday night is different than Saturday afternoon. It's a, <laughs> there's a very fine line there. Saturday night at Death Valley is is extremely difficult for an opposing team to come in and play. Um, Florida, when Florida's rolling, is, is up there. Uh, and, you know, Alabama's Alabama. It's less about the venue and more about the opponent in that situation. So 
if I'm just taking off the, the top tier, those would be the schools that would be on my mind. One last thing for Sean Kelly, longtime voice of the New Orleans Pelicans and a longtime resident of New Orleans, so I'm going to completely shift gears. I don't know if you got a chance to last night, but uh, both Kerry and Matthew Rocchio were watching Zion and said that he just looked completely different. He lost a ton of weight. I'd kind of written Zion off. What do you think? Is, is he going to be able to do something with his NBA career? Well, yeah, no, if he stays healthy, well, I did watch a little bit last night. You know, I'll still do ESPN radio NBA games. So I, I found myself last night going, I really have to start paying attention to this already. I found it to be, you know, entertaining. And I, I think, you know, Stan Van Gundy and I talked not too long ago, and he thinks if you look at the overall offensive talent for the Pelicans right now, it's as good as anybody in the league. Uh, you know, look, I'm not trying to say that they're in the same club here as Golden State per se, but, you know, right now with, with B.I. and Zion, who, again, bouncy again last night, like bouncy in a good way, um, and then, you know, the other pieces that have emerged, that young talent that went through last year, not to mention um, C.J. McCollum, who came over last year and helped them get to a playoff run, uh, that's a dangerous team in the West. Uh and if Zion plays like he did last night in that first half, he's a problem. And uh, and and this would go back to, you know, what we all thought he would be coming out of Duke. So, look, it's it's about we're we're now going to find out if the patience that the Pelicans put forth and the heat that they took for their whole process with Zion, if 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 that's the correct course and it pays off then all is well in New Orleans, and, and they'll be thrilled, and, and he'll be a superstar. Sean Kelly, it's great to hear your voice. Congratulations on the great start with Florida, and I'm sure that as the college football season unfolds and we get to the NBA, we will talk to you again here in your hometown of St. Louis. Always great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you, guys, and uh, you know what I'll be watching this weekend other than Florida, Missouri. Go Cards. I, <laughs> I know you're going to have an eye on him, my man. <laughs> Take care. See you later. That is uh, Sean Kelly. He is uh, one of the best broadcasters. He's he's a superb play-by-play broadcaster. And if you get a chance to hear him, you've heard him here on 101 ESPN, but he's great. You'll love him. Randy, have you ever been to any of the SEC venues, any of the— I've been to Georgia, I've been to Alabama, and I've been to, I, I've done a night game at Death Valley. Oh, I, I, yeah. that's the one I want to go to is, is Death Valley. I want my, my One of my close friends, he coaches for the Philadelphia Eagles now, but he coached for Texas A&M. And we went to a game down there, and I was just amazed by the just just the environment and the 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 energy that it had. And I, I had a mindset that I was going to take an RV and just ride around the country at some point and just go Saturday to Saturday, different venues, and watch some some SEC football, some Big Ten football. And that's going to be when I retire from all That'd of this. So that's great. what I'm going to do. That'd be great. <laughs> so we went. Uh, it was 2016. It was Coach O's first game. They just okay. fired Les Miles, and I think let me get. I, I, I think I can get it for you here. I think Darius Geis ran for like 250 yards against Mizzou that night, and they got drilled 42-7. to 7, And the place was going nuts because they loved Coach O so much. Yeah. But let me uh, – Ish Witter was the Mizzou running back, 11 carries for 48 yards. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, Geis 17 for 163. And as a team, they ran for like 300 yards. Not LSU a bad day. Mizzou. Eh, not yeah, a bad four, day. 42-7. to 7. Yeah, That was rough. So, yeah, we were not going to be uh, in the face <laughs> of the LSU fans that night. Coming up next, how do the Blues fill in for the losses of Marco Scandella and Scott Perunovic? It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Brandy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. The Blues announced yesterday that Scott Prunovich is going to undergo surgery for a fractured shoulder and he'll be reevaluated in six months. So, Kerry, the Blues have lost both Perunovic and Marco Scandella for the long term. They have Miko, Nico Mikola, and he's going to be their current third pair left defenseman. He'll play with Robert Bortuzzo. But they're going to have to add to the depth here some way. And I want to start with this because there's a lot of talk about trading for Jacob Chikrin from Arizona. That's going to require a couple of first-round choices. There are multiple teams, Edmonton, Columbus, that are going to be in on Chikrin that can provide more in terms of return to Arizona than what the Blues will be able to give up. And I don't think the Blues want to have three high-priced left defensemen. They've already got Krug as a high-priced left defenseman. Uh, they've already got Letty as a high-priced left defenseman. I don't think they want to spend another $4.5 million and allocate what would be $8.5 million, $9, $15 million on left defensemen. If they would get Chikrin, it would use up all of the cap space, all the long-term injured reserve space that they have from Scandella and Perunovic. It would all go to one guy if you'd make a trade like so, that. So when I was talking, when, when Curbs was in on Monday, we were talking about this, and uh, my question would be, is there a need for, for them to go outside and get another defenseman? Seeing that you, you still have Tucker, you have Kessel, you have you have um, Callie Rosen, who is mm-hmm. still here. And and when I was talking to Curves about it, he said there's a chance that they keep, that not likely, but they could keep eight defensemen. Is there a need for them to go outside of, of, of the building when you have potentially three other guys that are there that could do what you may be looking for? I think Rosen would be a guy that they would comfort, be comfortable playing, but not on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. My guess would be that if we get to the end of training camp and there winds up being a left defenseman on waivers that's a $2 million guy, I could see them picking him up. But I would be surprised if they would go outside early on and make a trade because uh, Tyler Tucker, they, they've seen a lot from him so far in camp and they, they've played him a lot. I think that he'll get an opportunity. They liked what they got out of Rosen last year. And Mikola can be a minutes guy. They, mm-hmm. Miko Mikola is still a guy that has a lot of growth potential and could be a really good player. So I don't think the Blues want to spend big on what essentially would be their seventh or eighth defenseman. And that, that's what I was wondering. I mean, because obviously you, Scandella injury where you said earlier, if there was a guy to get injured, maybe yeah, that would be guy. the guy. Uh, but Perunovic getting injured is a guy that you did not – uh, expect and we knew that we knew that with the, the amount of time that it took for them to come out with anything that it was a potentially uh, a devastating injury and, and the way that Barubi was talking about it you hate to see a guy go down and all the work that he put in you kind of knew that it was going to be a long term deal for me if you don't have to spend the money if you can if you can get by and when I say get by if you can if these guys that you have in house are capable enough to to make the plays and, and take care of the business and not go out and spend that money that means you have that money allocated for something mm-hmm. later on that you may need maybe a player that you may need to sign later on that that you want to keep in house also so um not necessarily go as you, and as you said for a 7th or 8th defenseman to go out and spend 3 4 million a year that would that 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 doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, and the one X factor would be if there would be an injury to a Letty or yes. a Krug. But 
right now they're healthy. And so what you're looking at to me is a 12 to 15 minute a game guy on the, the third pairing. And that that's Nico Mikola, who could become, by the way, a top four pairing defenseman when he reaches his potential. Can you get by with just six defensemen? Yeah. Are you are oh, you are yeah. you are you okay with just six, or do you is the seventh guy a Cali Rosen or 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 or, or Tucker? You need to have that guy on your roster. Okay, and I I would think right now Rosen would be the guy. Tucker has a chance, but he's a guy that needs reps. He needs to go play. And if you're the seventh guy here, obviously you're getting the chance to practice with the big club. But I think he's a guy that needs the reps at the minor league level. We talked about it yesterday with Panger. I've always been told that the hardest thing to learn in hockey is to be a defensive defenseman. Hmm. Because they're just skating backwards, right. uh, being having vision, using your stick, taking the right angles. There's a lot that goes into it. And... It's just a matter of doing it over and over and over again. Well, it's just like anything. With more reps you get, the better you get at it. And and if you have an opportunity, if you're, it's similar to what we talk about with with minor leaguers, uh, Jordan Walker coming up and not playing every day. If you're not going to be getting the amount of minutes that you need to get better, then it would be make more sense to go down to the minors. But if there's a need or a necessity here because of the injuries to Perunovic and Scandella, you got to find a way to to make sure that those guys are prepared. I like I said, I prefer. Personally, would prefer that they stay in house and not have to spend that money that they got um, from those injuries. But if you have to and you need to, then you got to go do what's best for the team. The first thing I always think of when something like this happens for the Blues is how close they are to the salary cap, and they they just can't go out and trade for an all star all the time. Even if they had a devastating injury mm-hmm. because of where they are against the cap, they just can't do it. Right. It's not realistic. So that's what I'm I'm doing. If I if I'm Army and that staff, I'm looking at the waiver wire at the end of camp and maybe if somebody's getting sent down that you can get for a fourth round pick, maybe you, you make a move like that. How much money did they get back from you said Scandella was three point four? I believe he's three point two five and Let then me, and Perunovic Perunovic would be how much? Let me get the the, the Perunovic number for you. I, it, it adds up to roughly four and a half million. So, do you spend all that four and a half million on on one player, or do you maybe go two and a half, two, yeah. you know, two and a half, three million on, on a player that you think can help? I would uh, go less. Go less than yeah. that because they got burned last year. They had to play with seventeen guys sometimes mm-hmm. because they didn't have the cap space. Uh, the Perunovic deal, I can get you both of those. Scandella was at three point two seven five. And Perunovic is at, scrolling down, uh, where is uh, Scotty? Hold on, I'll find him. So it, it got you to roughly $4 million. Okay. A little bit over four. Where's, uh, where's my, oh, here's Perunovic. Uh, no, he, I'm sorry, he's at seven fifty. So okay. it gets you to four. It gets okay. you okay. to about $4 million. So that's what'll happen if those guys when those guys wind up on LTIR. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, every Major League Baseball game today on the last day of the season starts at three o'clock. What are we looking for? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All of the Major League Baseball games today start between 3 and 3.20 St. Louis time. And by the way, 
Greg will have on MLB Network throughout the day the stories of the day. But the wild card and uh, the wild card round is set. The Cardinals will host Philadelphia on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The Mets who are the number one wild card team in the National League, will host the Padres. That'll be a really interesting series to watch because the Padres, even though they haven't played particularly well, man, they have some pitching. Now, in the American League, it's Tampa Bay at Cleveland and Seattle at Toronto. So that's all set. Atlanta and L.A. will host second-round series in the National League. Yankees and Houston will host uh, second-round series in the American League. CD, I, I look at today... And from the Cardinals' perspective, there really is nothing to play for. Last night was like a spring training game, and we'll mm-hmm. see another one of those today. Johan Oviedo will pitch for the Pirates. We don't know who's going to start for the Cardinals. You'd think that Jake Woodford would get an opportunity. But because everything is all set, Game 162 and usually a fun, action-packed day yeah. is kind of, well, not kind of, it's completely meaningless for baseball. Well, for the Cardinals especially, I, I think the the main thing you want to see is no more jammed fingers, yep. no, no pitchers falling down, or anyone getting anyone that's going to play significant time uh, in this postseason not getting injured today um, and, and just getting out of the game clean. That's usually what we say in the final preseason game of a, of a, of a football season. Just come out clean, make sure you're ready mm-hmm. for week one uh, in this situation. Just come out clean. Make sure you're ready for the postseason. Uh, we don't know who's going to play. It's probably be similar lineup as it was last night. I think Albert is not in. He's not going to play. I already said he won't play today. Um, so his his numbers are are solidified for the season. And I, Goldie and Arenado probably are not playing as well. They are. I, I don't know that. I, I would assume that they're probably assume that that's the going to yeah. take a take a take a day off, <laughs> a vet day, what we like to call right. it. Um, and and just make sure that those younger guys are are you know get out the game clean and get ready for the postseason. Now the storyline in all of baseball. This afternoon, there's really only one thing going on, and it's Shohei Otani pitching. Mm. And I don't get much of an opportunity because we are up early in the morning, and he plays late at night. Yes, he does. So we don't get an opportunity to see this guy, but he is pitching this afternoon. Comes in tied for eighth in the American League and wins with 15. He's 15-8 and eight with a 2.35 ERA. That earned run average is good for sixth in the American League. He's also sixth in strikeouts with 213, and he's 15th in whip with 1.03. But the, the fact that he's able to do what he does from a pitching and hitting standpoint is phenomenal. And we talk about Albert being a guy that we will never see again. Maybe we'll see what Otani does more because versatility is becoming such a, a big part of the sport. But he's going to be the first forever. He's going to he, he's doing things that nobody has ever done. And for future generations of two-way players, he'll be the benchmark. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you, do you think that there will be more players that, that can play, that can pitch, and that can hit, and, and do all of the things in the, in the manner that he does at, at this, the, as well as he does it? Because he's, he's a, a phenom. He's mm-hmm. something that, that I don't recall. I didn't see Babe Ruth as a pitcher or as a hitter. Me so either, I, I'm old. <laughs> so I don't know if I've ever seen anyone do it uh, to, this, to this level. Do you think that that's going to become the norm for, for position players and, and for, for pitchers going forward? I think that there will be a lot of guys that do it. Okay. But not to this level. Gotcha. Because he is so good at both. And most of the time now, Kerry, like high school pitchers, they don't hit at all. You know, they'll, they'll play shortstop. Right. You know, the best players will play, play shortstop or center field and hit now and, the, uh, hit and then pitch now and then. But I'm... 
this guy's unbelievable. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't think Major League Baseball will allow it to happen because there are no more leagues left where there isn't a DH. I don't think that pitchers right. will get the opportunity there, to There's hit. no need for it. And they won't have an opportunity to get better. Right, right. Uh, and then my next question was, is, is he, there have been conversations, Aaron Judge to me is, is, is and I went on my rant this morning that I'm mm-hmm. sick of the Yankees, but Aaron Judge is, in my opinion, the MVP of the league. Is, is there a chance that Shohei does overtake him for that M- MVP uh, lead? I think there is because people are confused by the term valuable. To mm-hmm. me, there should be two separate things, player of the year and MVP. Right. Because if Shohei Otani isn't on the Angels, they still finish in third. Right. Right. But if Judge isn't on the Yankees, they don't make the playoffs. No. He is more valuable yeah. to a quality team than Shohei is. But Shohei is definitely the player of the year. He's the best guy. Are the, are the people that vote on the Hall of Fame the same people that vote on the MVP? No. Oh, uh, okay, MVP good. is we're writers. Okay it's, you get two writers from every city. We're good. Yeah, we're, we'll be all right. <laughs> That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up next, Mizzou and Florida this weekend. And we're going to talk to the SEC Player of the Week, the Thicker Kicker. Harrison Mevis is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. with a knuckleball and he punches it through he's back on track one the prettiest but it went through and he drills this one what a bounce back game for the Missouri kicker with Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the aforementioned SEC Special Teams Player of the Week, Harrison Mevis, joins us on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing really well. How about yourself? Good. Does everybody else introduce you as the thicker kicker? I, I wanted to show some respect. I, what do you think of the nickname, and do you get introduced as that all the time? No, yeah, I, I really like it. It's, it's very much a team thing. So, I, I, I mean, shoot, why not? Now, Harrison, my, my nicknames growing up in, in high school, my teammates called me Fats. And then <laughs> when I got to college, they called me Burger uh, because I played fullback, but they told everyone I was one burger away from playing offensive line. So having uh, nicknames, that's a good, that's a solid one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> having nicknames from your teammates are always, they're not always the best, but you appreciate them because you know they come from a place of love, right? Exactly, yeah. No doubt. So, so going into uh, last week's game, obviously the Auburn game, you had a, a tough missed field goal at the end of that game. You bounced back really well versus Georgia, the number one team in the country. How do you prepare your mind for that, and, and how do you get over uh, that loss at Auburn and prepare yourself for the game in Georgia? Yeah, so as a kicker, you really have to have a short um, memory. You have to be able to move on, and it's really next kick mentality. That's as soon as I got here, that that was really uh, what the coaches really praised on me and what they want me to focus on. Um, but you know, it's really just preparing like you've always prepared. You don't don't do anything different because that's when you find yourself. You know, you're going to get in trouble when you do that. Um, it's just focusing on the next kick and you know, putting points up there for your team in the next game. So. Harrison, we had the Florida broadcaster Sean Kelly on earlier. He called you the three-point shooter of kickers, and uh, you, you hit some long ones. Number one, what's your what? What do you think your range is? Where could you hit from? Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable at sixty and in. Really, is probably as far out as we'd go. But you know, it, it just depends. It, it, 
some days there's you got wind of your back, some days you don't. So it, it honestly just depends. And I, I got to know what it's like emotionally when you hit a 52, a 52, a 56. It's got to be a really cool feeling. It is. It, it, it truly is because, you know, those three points, especially against number one Georgia, you know, everything you we needed every point that night so it was very emotional and it was just exciting so hey Harrison what was that what was that moment like just to be in the game uh versus the number one team in the country I know you all your teammates were, were extremely excited obviously not the outcome that you wanted but but the opportunity to win that game in that moment how did that feel uh and how much confidence does that give you all going forward yeah I think uh it it, it gives us a lot of confidence moving on I know um, we're excited about another chance to go one and zero, but just that's why you come to Mizzou. You come to Mizzou to play against number one Georgia at home with the with an amazing crowd, and it's just why you come to Mizzou. And that's uh, you know, so it, it gave us a big advantage, and it, it's exciting. Mizzou kicker Harrison Mevis with us on one hundred and one ESPN. When did you start kicking? Yeah, so I started kicking back in high school, freshman year of high school. So this is I'm going on year seven. And you talked about that short memory. Was there a point where you missed one and it stuck with you for a while and you realized, oh, no, I, I can't let this affect my next one? Uh, no, I don't, I don't believe so. Did I you ever miss one? <laughs> I, move, I move on pretty quick. I mean, it, it, it's uh, part of the job description. So It's an important personality trait for, for kickers and cornerbacks, right? Yeah, no doubt. Harrison, I, I played football for a long time, and and most of the the people uh, assume that that punters and kickers are not athletes. I played with some very good athletes. Have you have you had to show a teammate or two that you kick, but you're also a pretty good athlete as well? Yeah, I I, I believe uh, you know I played soccer for oh shoot since I was like three, so I've always been running. I've always always been doing certain things that are just athletic, and but yeah, I mean I think I'm I'm still a pretty good athlete. Do other schools, I know that Coach Drink makes a real commitment to special teams. As you're preparing for a week, uh, are there any other, not any, how often do you see other schools that really make a commitment so you say, okay, that's a threat to block one of my kicks? Um, Yeah, I think we we have made little adjustments uh, on our field goal unit, but it's nothing really that big. I feel like I have really good height on my kicks and really good op time. So it, that's one thing that we don't worry about that much. And you also have to have, and kickers always credit their, their snapper and their holder, right? You have to have everything go perfect oh, no for those things to work. Yeah, no, give credit to Daniel Hawthorne and uh, Sean Ketting, my holder. They did a fantastic job. I wouldn't have been able to make those five kicks without them dialed in and locked in, same as me, so... Harrison, that's always a smart move of giving your guys some love. I, I, that plays well in the locker room when they when they can hear that you mentioned their name on the radio. I'm sure they're going to love that. Yeah, <laughs> Harrison. I, last question I have for you: if 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 you were to to pick a scenario uh, for you, would you would you want to be in the moment where the pressure is on you to to make that final field goal uh, for for a big win, or would you rather you know uh, Brady throw the ball to Dominic Lovett and and get it over with so you don't have to go out there and get it done? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather be kicking a, a PATs on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I think there. I think if it comes down to if a game has to come down to a field goal, I'd rather it fall on me because I know I'm going to be able to make it. So, so hey, Harrison, are are you a baseball fan at all? I not I, a little. Not I. I watch it. I don't. 
I'm not really a fan. So I'm looking I at say. where Warsaw, Indiana is. You're from Warsaw, Indiana. Yeah. You could have been, I mean, you're close enough to Chicago, Milwaukee, Detroit, Cincy, St. Louis. I mean, there's a lot of teams that you could choose from, right? Yeah, there's a lot of Chicago Cubs fans from where I'm from. Uh, really, my, my, my mom's side of the family is from Kansas City originally, so my mom was a George Brett fan. So I kind of kind of have to lean towards Kansas City Royals, actually. That's cool. We we like George Brett here in St. Louis, and uh, even though they beat us in a World Series one time, we're we're okay yeah. with it now. Hey, hey Harrison, yeah. is there a kicker in particular in the NFL uh, now or or previously that you you enjoy watching or model your game after? Yeah, I you know there's not one in particular. It's more so like a mixture of all of them. You know, you got Justin Tucker, Harrison Bucker, who has one of the biggest legs. Uh, obviously, I watched Sebastian Janikowski. I was going to ask that. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's quite a few guys. I wouldn't say it's one in particular, though. And what's the key? Because in talking to kickers in the past, we always talk about balance. We always talk about rhythm. And I, I really do compare it to golf. I don't know if you play any golf, but it's, it's all about balance and rhythm, isn't it? It is. Uh, and I actually did just get into golf this last summer. Um, based on what a coach told me because it's similar to kicking. So I actually got into that. That's funny. But, yeah, it, it's really just about um, everyone's swing is different. You kind of just have to find what works for you and, uh, you know, stay smooth. And, you know, um, it, it is just like golf, though. Hey, Harrison, it's, it's fun to watch you kick. It's fun to have you on Mizzou. We appreciate your time. Congratulations on the SEC Special Teams Player of the Week and go get him in Florida this weekend. Thank you. We will. Take Thanks care. for having me. You bet. That is the thicker kicker, Harrison Mevis on 101 ESPN. It's a great nickname. It's one of the best yeah, ever, I mean, isn't what, it? What, what, hey, yeah. That's an NFL nickname. Oh, definitely. You you got to – when you get solid nicknames like that, That first of all, a good nickname is usually one you don't take to re- very quickly because it's it's something about you that your <laughs> your friends see or they say, and, and you know, it, it, just, it just flows, but it's perfect. And I think that's a great nickname so for him. So was Burger – Perfect. Burger was actually very on point because I was so I <laughs> I went to Illinois. I had sprained my ankle really badly in a in a pickup basketball game and couldn't run or walk. Really, I was on crutches for about two or three weeks, and I gained a lot of weight in that time prior to, to reporting for my freshman camp. And when I got to camp, they said, "Who is this 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 gentleman that you all signed? He's a burger away from playing offensive line. <laughs> who, who is this fullback? What are you all doing?" So I, I had to. Uh, I still have teammates that call me Burger, and I know, uh, depending on who's calling my name, I know what name they're calling. I know where they're from. Listen, we, 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 we had some good kicker nicknames. I know Jeff Wilkins wasn't the biggest fan of money, mm-hmm. but he eventually had to, he kind of had yep. to buy into it because everyone had given it to him and things like that. I think he, at one point he had put a, didn't he put a dollar bill? In his uh, yeah, start putting a dollar bill in in his cleat. I know he he was public, but I mean, thicker kicker has got to be one of the best. Not only football nicknames currently, the best maybe kicker name of all time. And also, you add into the fact that he's kind of got some goofy celebrations. If you watch the, he after he makes the one kicker against Georgia, he does kind of like a like a, like a robotic <laughs> like strut across the mm-hmm. field in a really goofy way. And the fact that he's he's got the gut, you know, makes it all all the better. I love that he embraces it. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's really cool. I was telling I was Great. telling I was telling Ryder, uh, Mike Ryder, the EP. I was like I was like when you put out the tweet about him like make sure i'm call him the thicker kicker he's like i don't want to call him the thicker i'm like no no trust me he rolls with it i think he likes it (laughs) there we go yeah that's awesome that is that's carrie that's matthew i'm randy and we're gonna head down the stretch towards a balloon party with t-mac and ajax Uh, a little bit more for you coming up on 101 espn you're 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Party next Friday at Copper Fire in Belleville. The Blues kicking off the regular season next Saturday. And to celebrate, we're hosting a day-long broadcast at Copper Fire next Friday. BK and Ferrario live from 11 to 2 in the fast lane from 2 to 6. Special guests, great food and drinks, and a Blues giveaway every hour from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., including your chance at signed pucks, a signed Ryan O'Reilly jersey, and much more. The 101 ESPN Blues Season Preview Party next Friday at Copper Fire in Belleville. Get all the details at 101 ESPN. Com. CD, Katie Wu has a preview of the Cardinals postseason roster out. And uh, let me run down the pitchers for you quickly. She's got Jack Flaherty, Giovanni Gallegos, Jordan Hicks, Ryan Helsley, Dakota Hudson, even after last night, Stephen Matz, Miles Michaelis, Jordan Montgomery, Andre Palante, Jose Quintana, Chris Stratton and Adam Wainwright, conspicuous by their absence. Zach Thompson and JoJo Romero, two left-handers. Jake Woodford also would not be on her, Katie Wu's, projected wild-card round roster. How do you feel about that with the, the performance you saw from Dakota Hudson a couple nights ago? I don't feel good about it, especially because Philadelphia's strength offensively is Left-handed hitting. It's Mm -hmm. Schwarber and Harper. I would rather have another lefty down there than just Mats and Montgomery. I would rather have another left-handed reliever down there. And if you're going to have both Hudson and Wainwright, it seems like redundancy there. Yeah. Because both of them are going to be long relievers. The guy that comes in in the third and... I'm I'm choosing one or the other. I'm a little surprised she's got Wayno on that roster, but I, I'm going to replace. If I were the Cardinals, I would replace one of those two, either Hudson or Wainwright, with one of the left-handers, and for me, preferably Zach Thompson. Yeah, I don't think you. I I, I agree with Wainwright being on there. I think you know, even though we've saw we've seen what he did the last, I think five to seven starts, it wasn't great. The month of September wasn't great at all. Um, but he's still Adam Wainwright, and I think if you were to get. To take one of those two off, it would probably be Dakota Hudson, just based on the way he blew up the other night uh, and didn't have a great start. I, can we go to the to the to the outfielders? Yes, we can. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, no surprises with Kisner and Molina behind the plate. Yep. Infielders, you might not like the fact that uh, Paul DeYoung is on that roster, but he's the only uh, shortstop. Right, you can't put Gorman in there. Uh, so you'll have Arenado, DeYoung, Donovan, Edmund, Goldie, and Pujols, and now the outfield. Of Alec Burleson, Dylan Carlson, Ben Deluzio, Corey Dickerson, Lars Newtbar, and Juan Yepes. The Cardinals announcing last night that Tyler O'Neill would not be available for this first round, the the wild card round of the playoffs. So six in there, and I want your thoughts. I I I want to know. For me, I, I mean, when you look at that. I think you know Lars Newbar is, is is one starter, and that's based off how well he plays defensively, um, and he can give you something at the plate when needed. It may not be every single time or or the majority of the time as you would like, but he he does come up with some timely hits. Who else is who who else is Dylan Carlson at center? He's in center. Okay, so he's in center field now. Who's in left field? I think it's because you know, even if it's going to be, well, let me just put it this way. Your everyday DH is Albert. Correct. You aren't going to have a right-left split. Correct. Corey Dickerson. 
as much as he has struggled, it's between D- Dickerson and Burleson against right-handed pitching. And and because Yepes is just the way he he's not as effective in the outfield, he cannot not in the playoff game. He can't I, I, he can't I don't be out there. Think so? Unless so you when, get, is he he just a pin, he's going to be just pinch hit pinch hit roll? Or if, if somebody would come up at some point and the Phillies won't with a left-handed starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I. I think that Yepes is probably a right-handed pitcher against a lefty reliever. That outfield is underwhelming. It, extremely. There is nothing in that outfield that really strikes fear uh, in you as a pitcher for opposing pitchers. There's that. It feels like to me that that's kind of a a lull in the lineup mm-hmm. where you know uh, potentially that's going to be three outs, and and that does not bode well for this offense going into the playoffs. Well, and back in the day, the Cardinals when they won the 1982 World Series. George Hendrick had a tendency to set up pitchers. He would take a really bad swing at a pitch, great hand-eye coordination, and have the expectation, oh, if he thinks that he can get me with that pitch, I'll take a bad swing at it, and then the same pitch, and he would rocket it out of the ballpark. I hope that Paul Goldschmidt is just showing the opposition (laughs) something on tape. Laying in the woods. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because even though he's been hot of late— He's not hitting for power. He's not hitting the ball hard. And because of the outfield, the Cardinals need the entire infield. Arenado, Edmund, Donovan, Goldie. All of those guys are going to have to be on the top of their game against good pitching like you'll see with Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. So on the text line, and, and, and you can explain this because it's always coming up, why not Jordan Walker? Why hasn't he been called up for, the, for, for September call-ups and why won't he be called up for the playoffs? The Cardinals just don't think he's ready yet. Even though he had a good season at AA, they don't believe he's ready to step in and be a major league hitter or a major league player right now. And the stakes are always higher because the best pitching you'll see is going to be in the playoffs. Because right. when you make the playoffs, it's because you, you have good pitching. You, you don't want to have a guy that's never seen the likes of Zach Wheeler or Aaron Nola getting his first major league look yeah. at major league pitching in the playoffs. To blow his confidence and, and, and really, as you said, it's, it's, it's major league pitching at the highest level. So you don't want to have him come up and, and struggle. And then now that, that, that's also a lingering effect. If you, right. it, sports is so much more mental than people would, would ever think that it is. Um, obviously the physical ability, but when you can match those things with the mental ability, you, you are, that's when you have Hall of Fame players. And guys, I do wonder if, O'Neal would have been hurt in August, and they would have known, okay, he's out for the season. I, I wonder if their approach would have been a little bit yeah. different in September. Yeah. But they didn't. He, he got hurt in September, and so he's been out for the last couple of weeks. See, Randy, but you got Francisco Alvarez hitting a home run with, for the Mets, mm-hmm. and obviously all Mets fans are really <laughs> confident going into the playoffs. So, I mean, obvi- oh, never mind. <laughs> Not, 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 not really. great. Yeah, and <laughs> every team you have to dig into your uh, AAA roster in September for a guy who's going to make an impact in the playoffs. Not a great sign. No, but I go back a couple of years ago, and I, I was wrong about this, and so were the Cardinals. But they didn't want to play Randy Arozarena yeah. down the stretch and in the playoffs because they didn't think he was ready then. Clearly, he wound up being a pretty good player. He's a very good player. Yeah, I wish he was still here. Yeah. yeah, so you you never know, but that's the way the Cardinals look at it, at least, is that they didn't think that Jordan Walker was ready. 
Uh, let's see. We've got T Mac and Ajax coming up tomorrow. What do we got on our Thursday? We tomorrow is um, we got a we got a pretty full Thursday uh, lineup for tomorrow. JK is going to be with us. JK, right, um, Greg Amzinger, uh, Blue Centerman Robert Thomas will be yeah. joining us, and also um, Western Conference champions playing for a uh, cha- playing for a uh, championship. City two. We're going to talk to a Lutz Famish deal. Oh, love it, love it. Okay, looking forward to that. A little MLS talk tomorrow here on one hundred and one ESPN. Great job today by our producer. Engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. CD. Go Hawks. 54 nothing. Yeah. Come on. I'm trying to do it again if we can. <laughs> Good. Good I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.